There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome. Hello. I'm Jake. I'm Michael. And this is the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Yeah, so if you haven't noticed, <laughs> <laughs> that was not edited. In. This is live, live baby. We got some new gear. Yep. Tell them, tell them what we got, Michael. Well, we have the Rodecaster Pro from Rode. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man, this is great. I love. I it. mean, you can probably even tell from the uh, quality of our voices. Yeah, things are a little different now. Um, it has like I don't know. It has like things in place to make it sound. Yeah, it comes with a bunch of effects, like an RL exciter, a deesser, bass boost. Every- Sounds like it has a gate. A as gate, well. yeah. yeah. And we can edit our voices. We can give us a little bit more bass. A little bit more bass. A little more bass. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean. And I'm getting super close to this mic, and <laughs> it's not clipping. It's not clipping at all, man. We could scream into this shit. And yeah. It's not gonna do anything. Woo! Woo! Look, look, that didn't even clip. It didn't Holy even clip shit. at all. It's so good. <laughs> It's going to make the editing process for us so much easier. Yes. Man. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and we can have guests on now. Yes. This now holds up to four microphones, a USB, a phone, if you want to call in. Yeah. And Bluetooth. Yeah. We're going to get real ballsy on this podcast coming within the next few weeks. Yep. Um, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best part. There are sound, sound effect yeah, buttons. We got, we got sound bites, baby. <laughs> We can implement anything we want. So maybe every episode we'll have something new for you to share if we have it available, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I do want to say perhaps maybe we should announce soon that for the month of October. Yes. Since it's Halloween month, we're going to dedicate the whole month to doing horror things, right? Yes. Horror movies, horror games, etc. This is going to be our Halloween spooktacular. Yes. It's going to be fun. We're going to plan that out. It's going to, we have already, we've been doing, honestly, since we started the podcast, this we've been planning like the October time, which is funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be rad. So next episode, stay tuned for spooks. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. It's gonna be such. It's so. It's gonna change everything in terms of the way oh, we yeah. work on here. Oh my for, god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we thought we were stupid before, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, crispy, mate. Crispy, mate. So crispy. And we're also since now that we can have multiple microphones besides ourselves, we're gonna start having um 
guests on the show. We're going to, we're going to try. Yeah. You know, overall. So stay tuned to that. Mm-hmm. More than us dunce heads. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So today we're going to be talking about the media in which our heart breaks for. <laughs> That's not really a good one. It's not a good one for that one. No, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't programmed Unravel the play yet. <laughs> that would have been perfect for that, honestly. Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, we're going back into today. We're going to talk about some media such as movies, games, TV shows, whatever that have given us the feels. Yeah. Maybe you can relate. You know, maybe you can't, or maybe you're going to learn something about a series that you might want to watch if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you want to have some tears come down your face, this is the podcast. This is the podcast for, for some suggestions, yeah. for sure. Um, why don't you kick it off, my friend? What do you first want to go into? What has made you go to, you know? Well, I mean, first one that comes to mind in many years that has gotten me to cry, You're Lie in April. Dude, yes. <laughs> Your Lie in April is something I would love to rewatch, but I just don't think- I'm not I, strong enough. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not. I'm not strong enough for it. It's um, it's a beautiful anime. Do you want to give some context? Yeah, so the gist is there is a young pianist named Kosei, a boy, and he- has kind of revoked playing piano at all. He doesn't like, like it, right? He gets anxiety and he, he, because just- when he was younger, his mom like pushed him through all these competitions and it like traumatized him because he was kind of abusive. And yeah, he now has a problem of like every time he tries playing, he stops hearing the notes and he gets a panic attack. Yeah, he can't focus, he can't function, which because like he was an amazing pianist, which yeah. is the sucky part. Yeah. Um, and one day. While out with his friends, he meets a girl who's playing the melodica. And it begins this journey of her being his kind of infatuation and her also bringing him back into music. She basically like reteaches him how to live, essentially, you know, in reality. Because ever since like the trauma has been such a weight on his shoulders for so long, despite not playing anymore, that it's kind of like he's just kind of in his shell. He became this reserved person well I mean, my favorite thing was episode one he describes like everything has become gray and you see that like yeah everything's kind of diluted and stuff yeah he just has a really negative outlook on life pretty much and um through her own actions and words and just the way she presents herself she teaches him not only to learn to love music again um but to love again and also to just love life again yeah is, yeah it's very beautiful um it's very sad um the music is amazing too I was it um the friend A is the theme. Yeah. Yeah. That every time that plays, I just like get the shivers. Yeah, dude. Dude, it's just every time I think about it, I get a little bit of shiver because like I mentioned, I was briefly mention it. Like Mm -hmm. on the second podcast, I mentioned that at the time when I was not so invested in going back into the music department and the music program, I had happened like the one of the last months of summer. I watched Your Lie in April. And that gave me love for music again, Yeah, you know, which is why it's so impactful to me. Like, especially since as musicians, like we not only relate to the to story, but also to the, the aspect of being burnt out or being afraid of your own, you know, well, I mean, skills and things like that. Coming nature. from me, the classical pianist. Yeah. Right. Everything hit too close to home yeah. with the anime. Yeah. Like 
the stage anxiety, the pressure and like, I mean, by the one after I watched it and I went into the college and took the piano program, I remember I actually asked my piano professor to learn the uh, Chopin waltz, the first one he plays during the concert. Yeah, yeah. And he like, why? But I'm like, because I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, that but that's kind of, isn't that great? Because that's yeah. kind of like a full circle moment, you know, in that regard. I mean, it's hard as hell. I never got to it. But oh, like, well, never mind. <laughs> I, I try. I, I mean, I, I looked at it and he's like, you're not a you're not at this level you're not slow buddy i was like all right fine give me the other one (laughs) give me the other one then (laughs) yeah but i mean all the characters are very lovable um yeah coyote yeah yeah, Yeah. coyote yeah coyote no coyote yeah 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 and um i mean (sighs) it's just like i don't know it's just something about it that you really feel something for well i think uh should i say spoilers i don't i don't know i don't Okay, I'm gonna put vague. Okay, right. There is a twist introduced at the end, right? That's well, midway, midway, you find out. Oh, well, yeah, you find out midway, and by the end, it's a very bittersweet vague. Because, oh, like, man, you, sh- just thinking of you know, talking about it again, I know, dude. I'm I know, like, it's it, breaking me all over again. It really is. You know, I actually thought the end was gonna go a different way, and I did. I was when, pissed when it happened. I was like. Oh my god! No. I was I was pissed, and like I don't want to discourage anybody because like I'm not pissed because the ending was bad. No, no, far from mm-hmm. far from it. I'm just pissed because it's not what I wanted. <laughs> you know, I know the part of you was like, why could we have a complete happy ending? Come yeah, on. yeah. It was just not like I'm like, dude. They both been through enough. Like, let's yeah. just, you know what I mean. And it's just one of those things. But um, that last frame kick the shit out of oh me. dude the, just the whole last sequence just everything that like i'll never forget it dude i, I mean like no, i don't think like an anime has really impacted me as deeply as this one has like in my like at least like in this type of way you know i mean you know yeah I there's mean, other ones that have taught me things like the like the lessons through the scripts right. and the stories and things you know and there are other ones throughout my childhood that i have a more a love for because of nostalgia or just in general like you know things like that right but for like an actual change in my perspective yeah you know because like i was really done you know i was like i'm done i'm not going back right you know i mean and i was adamant you know for the i didn't i didn't touch a lick of music the whole summer i was like i'm not fucking doing this anymore and then i watched the anime and i picked up everything that night you know and i started doing i made a whole track that night you know yeah yeah i was like and that, that actually that track Ended up on my la- my EP. It's Hope. Oh, that, the really? last song on Hope was, and it was all about putting Hope back into my life because that anime put Hope back in my Damn. life for music and stuff. You know, so that's why I was like, wow, that's really impactful, and that's like I, why I love it so much. I mean, like I said, I related to it a lot, and I actually um, I had a very similar experience to what Kosei uh, endured through, like specifically, like when you stop hearing the notes. Stuff. Yeah. Like I, I legit had that happen during a uh, master class. I was playing. I could not hear what I was playing. I was freaking the fuck out. I was, yeah. I was like, I, I, I can see my hands moving. So I'm just going to just go through it. Write it out. Yeah. And I admitted to my professor. I'm like, I had no idea what was going on, but I could not hear what I was playing. So I'm sorry if I messed up. And he was like, oh, you're okay. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like. That's the type of thing, man, that people just don't understand, especially like in because like when you hear about music in general or performance, right? Right. The like the normal person 
always thinks of like concert performances like with like celebrities and like you know pop artists rappers whatever right they don't they don't realize that the environment for for classical is just so different i feel like what um advice is given for like if you're giving a lecture and stuff sure doesn't translate to a performance well the thing is all right so i have i have uh, performance anxiety oh yeah so, I think we both do. <laughs> yeah so i mean i can re- that's another reason why i can relate to this very much because yeah. i really do i do and um i think my performance anxiety like i mentioned previously was one of the reasons why i I failed, you know, the barrier the for, for the performance section, you know? Right, yeah. And, you know, coming back after watching that and, like, having a bit of more confidence in myself and, and clearing it was, like, really nice, you know? Yeah. And it kind of, like, was full circle the same way it came out for, for the character. Right. Um, however, when it comes to, like, a normal performance, right, like, if you're just performing at a venue or something, just for an example. Yeah. You can move around. You can jump, you can dance, it's more lively. The crowd can also do things as well, you know, that gets you amped, gives you confidence. Right? Well, you're doing like a classical performance. Yeah, versus so a- that, that's what I'm saying. I'm doing a versus, right? right. So now let's, let's pick, put you in a picture of what a classical performance looks like. So for a pianist, you know, you can, you can tell the story about how you feel in general. Well, but, I mean, you get the clap, 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 yeah. and dead silence. Dead silence. And you're like, yeah. all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one talks no one moves. They're all staring at you and you're on this giant stage, right? And lights are beaming. Down lights are you. beaming everywhere. There's balconies with people and everything. It's a concert hall, right. you know, it's like an opera, opera concert hall. Yeah. Just to give you a like, kind of like an idea. And of what a it majority would look like. of people know what you're playing and how it goes and how it goes. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And they're all just like eyes on you. Like for me, for vocalists, like you have to stand in the crook of the piano Right. Oh yeah, yeah. And you just don't move. You're not supposed to move. Right. You know, not like it, not at least the way they were explaining it to me. You know, maybe a little bit, but you show a little emotion. But yeah. you're not really supposed to convey much emotion or move around a lot. You're trying to get the best sound you can, and you really can't do that when you're moving. Right. You know. So it's really it's really anxiety inducing because like when you're especially for me who was like before I went to the conservatory, I was like so used to just doing normal performances, like. I was in college and I was, I, I got brought up on stage with Logic, remember? And right. it was 1,400 people there, which is more that, that Western ever had, yeah. right? In their, in their concert hall, right? Yeah. And I was fine because the crowd was live. I was moving around. I, yeah, I was confident, you know, because yeah. everyone was jiving with what, we were, what was going yeah. on, you know? I was nervous, but like, you kind of just had to do I mean, it. I think that's the thing. There's no feedback. No, not, you don't know, you don't know how you're doing because no one, like, especially for like barrier. Oh my God. Do you remember... I mean, we're not going to say names. I don't, yeah. I don't even remember his name, but he was a xylophone or a marimba player and he kept fucking up and he literally just like walked off stage. I remember, I don't remember who that was, but I do remember that. That happening. was like, everyone's just like, Oh, like, Oh my God. Like, how do you, I would, he eventually come back later to do it again, but like, I would have just left. I would have just like, I'm done. My his career's over. <laughs> Dude, I know. Can you imagine? I would have just stuck it out for the ride, I think. I don't think I would have had the, the balls to just leave. Here's here's one of the things that's a big difference between like, like I was saying, lectures and live performance sure. is that if you like fumble word during a lecture, you can yeah. just like restart the sentence. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For if, when you're performing, it's almost like every second is counting yeah and you can't just like like when i was learning how to do concerts and stuff it was like kind of just like just plow through a mistake if you can like. yeah and i once i actually what was it the uh, second movement of the moonlight sonata 
right? And what happens is like there's an A section, B section, and then it wraps back around to the A section. Again. Sure. And like and then it's supposed to go to a coda. Okay. At the end. And somehow I like accidentally went back to the B section again. Yeah. So I just like, all right, I'm going to just do it again. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm just like, oh, all right. Well, yeah, dude. For one of my juries, um, I, I was struggling where I was replacing the second verse with the first. Oh. I don't know why. I don't know when my, when my brain was just not functioning with this track, right? And granted, there are in different languages and stuff. So yeah, like, yeah, of course. You know, so sometimes, you know, you just get wonked out, right? right? So I remember I did the second verse first, right? And then instead, I just, and then like, and so I, I had a judgment call. I may, I do the first one, right? Yeah. Or I just bang it out and do the rest of the song and skip the fifth, skip the other <laughs> verse. And I voted to skip the other verse. My accompanist was down and we just did it, right? The thing is like, when you, when you, the, the problem with, I find is that with tracks, like when you're doing a performance, right? There's like a sequence to things, right? Mm-hmm. You do your first verse for me because I'm a vocalist, right? You do the chorus, you do the first verse again, a pre-chorus, whatever, right? Right. But if you break the system, it like puts your brain in a frenzy because you're already trying to focus so hard yeah. to sound, especially for me, like the vocals I have to see, is my breath control good? Is my diction good? Is my volume good? Am I being, you know, am I doing mm. what I'm supposed to be doing in terms of that? Am I, am I piano right now or am I up, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, it's so many things running through your mind. I, also the language, you know, I have to make right. sure I'm pronouncing things correctly, having the right things going on. So my, my, mind is the only way to organize it all is to have it go in sequence right so if you break that cycle for me it's just like where am i you know like to a degree you know you have to like pick yourself back up again well it's like a trance right yeah yeah you're in a trance and then you just snapped out and now you're like oh shit that is the worst experience yeah dude we we nicknamed it autopilot right yeah and like you're just going and then once you have like that you're in the zone yeah you you have like that real you have that consciousness happen mm-hmm. and you're like oh my fingers are just moving what the fuck is going yeah, on yeah yeah it's like it's like your subconscious takes over because you're in the heat of the moment but if it breaks for whatever reason you start to lose yourself a little bit kind of have to you have to get back in the zone and it's like for performance and just musicians and performers artists whatever that's why i liked about um your eye enable a lot mm-hmm. is that it got the music part so accurate yeah especially like well, on the stage the animations like with their oh, fingers right it's They're, all correct it's all correct all of it is accurate which is amazing because, like, you did. I mean, you didn't have to do that much detail. Well, it's like you ever you see that movie with uh, uh, Jack Black, School of Rock. Yeah, you think one person is actually playing guitar right, on there? Exactly. They're all they have their hands in one chord position, and, and they're just gang, 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 they're just sliding down and making different. Yeah, yeah. It's total mm-hmm. bullshit, right? So they could have done that. It's an animation. They well, could've... I mean, especially for animation. That's what I'm saying. They could have totally just done some bullshit. And some no... arm movements. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But they really went the extra mile to make it accurate, which also, is something I respect. Oh, uh, what studio did it? Is it Kyoto? Oh, oh, dude, I don't know, unfortunately. I feel like it's Kyoto We animation. should shout them out because we've been like raving so hard about it. I, mean, I think it's Kyoto animation because of how pretty it is, right? Um, I can I can find it. Just give me one second. Yeah. Um, also, because I, lo- I loved is that they were all the instruments were also very like accurate. Like that was like a Steinway grand piano and it had like the logo and everything. And it was just so crisp. I'm like, that's a good ass. That's what I'm piano. saying. They, that's the thing about anime is that's so beautiful, man. Is that they, well, cause you see anime who does like other anime that have done this and it's like, they kind of half assed it a little bit. It's like, you just see like, Oh, I'm just literally, my arms are moving back oh, and forth. It's a one pictures. A one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then it's uh, Kodansha that uh, 
that has the the magazine. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy, right? Like the, they just put so much. This is the one thing about like I know some people might be like, oh, anime. Like I don't I'm, I don't really care, you know, or whatever. Like they're not really into well, it. Well, yeah. First off, wrong podcast, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, straight up, right? But like, regardless of the case, I mean, one thing that I appreciate over anything about it is that most of the time they give a shit more than I can say for most animators and animations in like the West, for example. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, most just TV in in general. general, Yeah. They give a shit. Like if you listen to a, that's why I'm, I'm a purist when it comes to it and I don't like dubs majority of the time. And it's, I don't even need to listen to it to know that it's bad because 99% of the time it's pretty bad. Like it's just a paycheck to the voice actors in English. That reminds me watch uh, visions in sub in sub <laughs> of course I was, yeah. is there no other way I made a mistake of watching it in dub you watched it in dub what I, are you a plebeian I like what is going on I didn't on? realize there was another option I thought Disney was just gonna um, give it to me for, uh, you uh, gotta rewatch it now I know I, oh no re-watch. what a shame right <laughs> yeah but it's just like one of those things like if you ever if you watch anime and dub you're just doing it wrong and I know that some people are like I don't wanna read and watch at the same time bro you'll develop a Sharingan in like a, a month <laughs> don't worry you'll be able to read that and watch at the same time I mean, and not have an there's issue there's only one exception to that rule which is and his panty and stocking was scarred about oh that and Dragon Ball yeah Dragon Ball's dub is pretty, is pretty damn good they care yeah yeah, but um, no, you're lying, April, man. That yeah, that that. I mean, there's not much else I can I, say. I I distinctly remember I, I was watching episode 24 in my bedroom. I'm just sitting on my bed like, it's <laughs> 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 like at like 12 o'clock midnight. I'm just sobbing in my sobbing room because yeah. I'm just like, this is so sad. Why did this happen this way? I know. They get you real invested and they just break your heart at the end, man. Yeah. And then it ends. That's the problem, right? Is that it and ends. It's over. Well, I think that's what got it, me because it's very grounded. Like, yeah. or, Well, there's no there's no Dragon Balls. There's no, no fantasy. There's it's, no fan- it's, it's slice of life. It's like real world. Because the whole idea is like, after this whole thing, it's like, you got all right, continue your life now. Like, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. just... Keep going, and you're like no sequel, no nothing, no nothing, and it's like oh, no, no, no go backs, you know, yeah. no way to seek really do, you know, reverse. You can't it. undo anything. Like yeah, there's no eye. It's of, just you grew for it, and that's it. Yeah, there's no eye of like I don't know knowledge or something that gives them powers. No behelit. No, <laughs> yeah, there's no bullshit in the show. So like it's pretty much just yeah, that's it. This life, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, and then um, you had another anime that you want to talk about that I'm not familiar with. All right. Uh, is that Girl and God? Um, well, I'm familiar with Gurren. <laughs> so let's do Violet. Oh, you want to do Violet Evergarden? Yeah, let's do Violet Evergarden. All right. So, Your Lion Airbowl got me a lot because, like, I had a personal connection. Yeah, we both on, we can relate to it on a deeper level. Violet Evergarden hits you, even like, you don't have to have similar experiences but you're just watching this character and all the stories she's going through and yeah. your heart's just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, cause okay, let me give you a little synopsis. Sure. Right? It is sure. a, like, I want to say it kind of like a borderline steampunky alternate universe ish in yeah. England. And it's like in, 1800s like industrial revolution sure and like a war had just ended and there is this girl who was essentially a child soldier um and she was like you just utilize as the weapon the entire time sure and 
she lost both her arms in the final battle. So <sighs> now she she has these like mechanical replacements. Oh, so she has like some type of arms. Yeah. Though. But but is it just like fantasy in the sense that she can move them? Well, it's steampunk like technology. Like, oh, it's steampunk. Very, like, okay, so it's very steampunk. Okay. Yeah. Roger. Like it's very like mechanical. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now the war is over. Her major and her person she like clung on to is gone. And like he, she doesn't know where he is. And now it's like she's in the care of one of his subordinates and it's like, all right, re-enter normal life. Yeah, like how do you how do you go from war back to society, right? Yeah, and because she was raised as a child soldier, she doesn't understand... Like social cues and norms. Social cues and how to be human. And well, the first episode, like, she's like, I'm okay, right? And the guy turns to him, it's like, you have a fire burning inside you right now and you may not be aware of it, but it's going to hit you and it's going to hurt when it does. And she's kind of like, I don't understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. And it's like, you realize because like she's been through so much and she just well, yeah, hasn't like, processed. Yeah, the trauma. She's like in shock almost like where it's, or denial rather, right? It's yeah. almost like a, a negligence on, on purpose, like to try not to yes, avoid it. Yeah. right. And so her quest to kind of become human and understand, because uh, her one question she's trying to answer is because before the major died he told her he loved her sort of thing okay and she's like what does it mean to love somebody i don't you know she doesn't get it she doesn't get it so she takes a job at this like mailing company and she's what's called as a um oh what's the word It's it's like a typing doll sort of is the name Okay. And it's basically like you're transcribing letters. For you're people. a typist, essentially. Yeah. And you're like typing out letters for people who can't write out yeah. words eloquently and stuff. Yeah. So she takes up that job. And as she goes through different people and le- learning their stories and stuff, she eventually starts learning how to like, understand. Yeah. Like how to live and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And oh my God. It is. Well, first off, Kyoto Animation. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. It does look gorgeous. I haven't seen it, but it does look really nice. It is like every single frame is a painting, sort of thing. Yeah, there is no that. like awkward animation smears or anything. It is clean throughout the entire thing. Um, and oh my god, this thing does not throw punches. <laughs> it is fucking sad. Yeah, man. And like. Uriah and April it like had very had very happy moments and then they had some very sad moments and like a bittersweet conclusion. This is like every episode. <laughs> it really? is like you feel your heart. But it's, it's like, not so much for her specifically. Is it like the stories that she's being told? Both. Okay. But like okay, like I like I, I definitely felt throughout I was like, yeah, this is tugging my heartstrings. This is really like getting me Sure, sure. Episode ten. Okay. Full out crying. Okay. Broke me down. And like, I got my mom to watch it too. She is like bawling in tears. Yeah. Cause, um, is like this, cause she goes to a mother and she's like writing out letters, but you get the episode from the perspective of her daughter. Okay. So you don't really know what it's about until yeah. the end of the episode. And yep. once that happens, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it is such like and, and you know, and you're like watching like a 
the guy said in the beginning, like there's a fire burning inside her and you see that eventually erupt. And it's like you see an ember and then you see it slowly turn into a fire, right? Yeah, of like this fire has been consuming her and now she's yeah. finally understanding like the delusion she had. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I don't think it's really a secret because as an audience, you could probably figure it out. It's like, yeah, I think the major's dead. Like he's, yeah. he's not coming. So she doesn't, she doesn't think that he's dead. She, I think she knows, but she's refusing to. She's believe. refusing to believe it. Because yeah. that's, like, that's like her cling to, uh, to sanity, right? Is yeah. that she'll see him again. Yeah, and because like, because she's very in like soldier mindset. She's like, he didn't dismiss me. Like, I need to like get him yeah, back and follow yeah. his orders again. And oh, and she, when she finally accepts it, there's one part where she attempts to kill herself, and she does it like she with the mechanical hands is like trying to choke, oh, herself, trying to choke out. herself out. And that wow. scene is so visceral because it's just, it's like there's no music, there's no sound. Like, yeah, it's just like. And you're yeah. like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Like this is just rip your heart. Out. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and like, there's a series, and then there's also like two specials that have come out. All of them, even the out like OVA special things, sure. all of it are beautiful and heartbreaking, just the same. And highly recommend anyone. Anyone could pick it up. There's no like prerequisite prerequisite like anyone could pick this up any of you can cry your eyes out yeah it's like one of those things where it's like if you're looking for something to feel sad about i guess i mean music also is godlike that always helps right music is always one of those things i i mean especially for us i think that's yeah. like a big selling point it's like interesting i'm not a huge crier you know i mean i'm not either that's why I, it's so surprising when i'm just like yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like i mean i feel things for sure like you know i'll get close but i never like actually like release i guess i don't know yeah it's not like i'm not trying to it's not like i'm like oh i'm too tough for that <laughs> you know not at all it's just like it never gets me there i guess only only <laughs> there's one thing that got me there and that was um on this list and that was coco oh coco <laughs> coco affected me for a multiple multitude of reasons um my grandfather had passed um, probably maybe a year to a year and a half before Coco came out. Okay, uh, yeah. so it was pretty fresh, you know. Mm. And um, the fact that the story is primarily just about a grandchild and meeting their grandfather and, and figuring shit out, you know, yeah, is like one of those things that's like, damn. You know what I mean? And then also, like, the fact that it has to do with, like, a dead grandfather, not to mention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. You know? So it was just, like, all together. And then, like, when his, when his like, uh, his grandmother, um, I'm sure people have seen that by now. Like, you know, I don't yeah. mind saying things. Um, when his, when his, uh, his grandmother was, like, mute or, like, not, co- not cognitive, really. And then he started playing that song and she, like, woke up again. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Oh, dude, that was the last straw on me, that, dude." <laughs> well, because then it's like the full circle of like yeah. you finally realize what it's really about in your life, and that's another oh. music one. So it's like if you don't know, if you haven't seen it, Coco is about a family that's disowned music because they thought it fucked their family up. In reality, it didn't, you know. Yeah, and that's it's what ended up bringing them back together in the end. Yeah. You know, so that's what's really cool about it in general. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, I mean, more people have seen Pixar movies than anime. Yeah, 100%. But, so I'm sure people have seen Coco. Yeah. Everybody, I'm sure everybody loves Coco. It's great. You know? Oh, that, yeah. Like you said, that last scene. Dude, that last scene is powerful. It's not only, it's just powerful for me, again, because of my grandparents. I'm very, I, I lived with them for like eight years of my life, eight, nine years, you yeah. know? So it's, it's very, I'm very close to them. And um, 
so that really that really puts something in my perspective also just because like it shows the power of music right i mean dad definitely i mean i mean i I, because i've had again some i mean i had a very similar situation with how the grandmother and coke yeah like he um interact and stuff like i've had that with my grandmother before she passed and that stuff and i was just kind of like like yeah man. oh this is too familiar <laughs> yeah dude it's hitting too close it's hitting too close to home so that's definitely one of the ones that um that actually made me cry pixar's very good at, yeah uh, yeah i haven't seen up yet i'm like <laughs> oh my god yeah I, yeah up. i know a uh, wally made me <laughs> wally didn't make me cry but i definitely felt bad for wally for yeah a oh yeah i, mean, <laughs> I didn't know? reach crying levels yeah my sympathy levels were peaking though <laughs> i was like oh no <laughs> I think Up's opening sequence is pretty much like solidify. Like, all right, how much of a, how much of a heart do you have? Yeah, yeah, I know. I I've, I know what happens pretty much, but I haven't seen it. And it's like different to know than to see how they execute oh, it and everything. Yeah, I know. Listen, uh, <laughs> you know, I know. Um, I was gonna say something about Pixar. I can't recall anymore. Was it a movie? It doesn't matter. Anyway, all yeah. Right. Um, I was actually gonna bridge off of that. Sure. Because um, I think I was trying to pinpoint what actually gets me like crying. Like what is, sure. what's those things that like get me and it's like, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest things is watching characters grow up or time pass sort of thing. Okay. Like, like time skips? Yeah. Like big, but like big ones. Right. Sure. Um, like actually though, next one on this list, Gurren Lagann. Yeah, you know, Eric, uh, my roommate in college, used to love that shit. He was always trying to get me onto it, but I just never... Yeah, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's, it's a mech anime, right? Yeah. It's by Studio Gainax. And, like... I mean, it is... Un- I would say undoubtedly one of the best mecha anime out there. <laughs> I know, right? That's a big, bold statement. <laughs> yeah, not with all those Gundams and Evangelion. I know. Yeah, I know, right? But I still... I mean, I still haven't seen Evangelion. Never have I, but I've heard, you know, yeah, good know. things. Gundam, but, I have. I've seen a few. Um, but Gurren Lagann is very interesting because you literally follow the entire life of this main character, Simon. And, like, he okay. starts out as a kid, and by the end, he's an old man. Like... He's an old man at the end? Yeah, you literally follow his entire life, like, throughout this whole thing. And you see the whole world change around him. And, like, the thing with, like, what Gynex does is that they kind of do what Trigger does. is like, everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. As it escalates. Yeah, like, so it starts out, like, he's living in a cave with, like, no parents because they died in an earthquake. And they're underground in fear of the beast man above and stuff. And literally you escalate and escalate and escalate and then like you eventually get to like giant mechs fighting each other yeah on the surface and you escalate and you escalate and then you have giant spaceships and then you escalate and you escalate until you have galaxy sized mechs <laughs> yeah um yeah. but like i said like the whole thing is you're watching his him growing up essentially yeah and like everyone else growing up and like people just die of old age and you see like what his mentor big brother character you see how his legacy transforms as people revered him but then as like uh revolts happened you see like them tearing down a statue and you see the whole growth and you're like oh my god like just time passing is 
it shows, right? Like how history, how history will remember you. Yeah. Type thing, right. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, you as the audience, because you're seeing it in like yeah, a short like, amount of time. And you, you, you're kind of justified with the characters because you've seen their struggles and you've seen yeah, their, their and progression. Yeah, you're like, don't tear the stuff. Yeah. It's, it's fucking Kamiya, you piece you, of shit. You don't like, know what he did for you. He's you know, so like, cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's one yeah. of those things. Yeah. Um, and the whole, I, the whole theme of it is like, you know, the your drill is going to pierce the heaven sort of thing. Like just, yeah. you're going to keep going upwards. Yeah. And there is like the theme, do the impossible, row, row, fight the power and everything. And like music wise, also that's the theme. First off, it starts out as kind of like, like rap thing. And then it transforms to like a big, like, like string thing. And then it transforms again into like an operatic epic. Okay. And that, um, this, the actual track name is Liberate Me From Hell sort of thing. Okay. And I swear to this day, that song always gets me like shivers up my spine. Yeah, because it just, it gives you like the feelings again of like what you were watching at the time. Like the song in itself encapsulates what the series is. Like a huge journey and like yeah. the struggles and tribulations between and the ending of just like, row, row, fight the power. And you're just like, yeah. oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, because like Girl Like in itself is like not a sad anime like it's yeah. a, it's fun it's guys. yeah it's not it's not like necessarily that's what it's geared towards right but like there it it has emotional through lines that fucking yeah get you that get you and like i i was consider it's just like an epic right it's just like one of those things where it's like if you're a fan of anime you need to at least just try it once and like if you're not down with it all right fine but like once you're in yeah. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I hear you on that one. Maybe that's something I'll catch. Uh, I like mech anime sometimes, so that is something I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get yeah. into. And you should get into, too. I I, I got I to get... I mean, fucking, I feel like I have to watch Eva. Like, because, like... Yeah, right. Everyone keeps talking about, like, how good that is. And not with the remakes that Netflix are doing and everything, so... um, Speaking of mech anime, there is one that really brought my emotions up, um... There is a Gundam series called Gundam Double O. Okay. Okay. Short synopsis. Essentially, it's based off of these four characters mainly who are part are called Gundam Meisters. They're part of this organization called Celestial Being. Okay. Okay. Now, Celestial Beings, this takes place like really in the future. Like they have uh, an orbital elevator mm-hmm. and they have like malls in space and shit. And just like, you know, it's very advanced. Okay. So, like, governments are different. Like, there's, like, the West Coast government and the European government and just there's this, like, like, different nations, right? And they're all, like, trying to compete. It's, like, almost like the Cold War, like, how they're competing for, like, NASA and all that stuff. Okay. Now it's, like, for mechs and all that other jazz, right? All right. So the goal of Celestial Being is to to become the villain of the world to unite the world. Okay. So they seem like terrorists to everyone else because they're destroying and killing and murdering like, you know, other people and all these right, things, right, right, right? Right, right? But they're doing it with the purpose to unite everyone against them for, mm-hmm. for peace, right? So it's like good intentions with bad actions. Like it's it's complicated, you know, like what's, right. what justifies the means, right? But there's just the main, the real main character, his name is Setsuna Fseye, right? Mm-hmm. He was a guerrilla soldier okay, uh, during one of the wars in, in the eastern area of, right. the, of the world. And, um, he uh, has pretty much grown to become kind of emotionless mm. and cold, right? Yeah. And um, 
there's there's a scene at one of the ends of the season. It's really old. It's like in 2010. Right, okay, yeah. so maybe I can specify a little bit. It's right? fine, yeah. So there's a character named Lock-On who is... They're all messed up, basically. They all have bad past. They're all they're all messed up. They all have bad past, right? One of them has a dual personality disorder, and his personality is a maniac. And he's and, driving a mech. Yeah, he actually goes harder when he's in his other personality because his other personality does not give a shit about anything. So, like, they don't. He does not care whatsoever. He's a better pilot, the the crazy one, as opposed to the main the main personality. Okay, all right. But regardless of the case, there's one character named Lockon. He's a sniper. That's why it's called Lockon. Yeah. So he's always kind of like not the comedic relief because he's not funny. But he's lighthearted. Like, he tries to help, like, Setsuna. Like, he lighten him up, you know, a little bit and stuff. Right. Have him, like, talk to girls. He tries to have him talk to girls. You know, it's like, try to be, like, a normal person, essentially, right? Mm. And they're on a mission together. And um, he's, Lock-On's far, and he's being ambushed. And Setsuna's trying to get to him, mm-hmm. you know, like, in time. Right. And Setsuna has never really shown emotion, like, throughout the whole season. But this is, like, something he feels like. You can see urgency in him. Yeah. You know? And it, it turns out that Lockon couldn't be saved and he dies, Oof. right? And you just hear Setsuna scream of his name, mm. like going through the cosmos, right? Like you just hear him like, yeah. and like you just, that's all you hear. And that's like the end of like, you know, hearing like of his story. Like that's like, it's not the end of the season, but it's like a a, cha- a shift, you know, in the story. Because mm. they've, they've always been fine. You know, like throughout the whole season, it gives you a sense of security that like they're so sick. They have the they have the best mechs, like they're Gundams. No one could yeah. contest with them. You all start to develop, like you get their backstories. You get what's happened to them. Like Lacan's family was murdered, right? Mm-hmm. All of them. So like he's a, he's a, one of the sole survivors, right? So that's why you see like all this trauma in him. But he keeps such a light hearted attitude, you right. know, like in such a, a positive attitude mm. that you like you just would never know, you know. Yeah. So when he, when he, and the way he dies too, cause like the thing about Gundam is that it shows you, man, cause right. they're like in space in these suits that are being like, you think the G force and like all these other impacts, like you see the blood, you see like the, the electricity with the, you know, the electricity of the Gundams, like shocking them. And like, mm-hmm. you can see they're clearly hurt and like, you know, they're, they're messed up. They're dying alone, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's really sad, you know, overall. Yeah. And you see like their last words as like their hand goes out into space. Uh, you know what I mean? They were just like, is this like saying their last words to no one, yeah. you know what I mean? Type thing. And then you just, and done, you know? And it's kind of like one of those, like, Oh dude, no. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, rough. it's always rough, you know? And it was just like, and then hearing like that, the, you know, the acting was so good. And honestly, like I watched this when I was younger when it was in, and it was a dub. I'm going to be honest. Okay. And it wasn't terrible. They, they, they did really try hard, but I've been watching a sub now and it's so much better. But, <laughs> but, um, I'm excited to see that part again because I'm like, I wonder how they're going to play it on this one. Yeah. But just to hear the scream at the end, like the pain, you know, you can really tell that they all had like a bond and everything. And he was like, kind of like the person that glued them together, you know, and now he's gone. So it's kind of like one of those things. Uh, I can't, I mean, I had something similar. It was in Jojo. <laughs> oh, you're going to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if I'll go too much deep. Cause like, I know you're not, you're not going to watch it at some point. Jojo. Probably not. No. So I just can't get into it. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Part three has a fight where it's like they're trying to reach Dio in his like stronghold. Yeah. And his right hand man, vanilla ice. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I know, right? Uh (laughs) 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 um 
So, I mean, funny. <laughs> it sounds funny, but he's actually the most ruthless character. Dio? It, no, Vanilla oh, Ice. Oh, Vanilla Ice. And it's he kills one of them immediately. Like, you don't even get, like, a goodbye, whatever. He's just dead. And you're like, fuck. So it's um, the other two characters, Ponoraf, who's got, like, he's like a fencer Sure. Kind of stand, and then the dog named Iggy. Okay, he's got like a sand manipulation thing. Sure, and they're against this guy who's basically his stand is a black hole that just anything it goes and touches it, it just consumes. That's broken. It is, um, and you're like, okay, maybe two against one. You can finally yeah, you, you can get the upper a, hand on yeah, him. get upper hand. And they almost tr- succeed in tricking him, but he figures out the trick, and. You think he's going to kill Iggy, but like he comes out of like the stand power and just starts beating the shit out of this Boston Terry. Like, yeah, just kicking it. And oh it's my like, God. And it's like ruthless, right? Yeah. And then like he injures Ponoraf and he's kind of doing like a spiral soaker getting closer and closer to him to make sure he gets eaten completely. And you think Ponoraf's dead. All right, he's going to die now because he's going to have to get sucked by the black hole. Yeah, he's done. GG. And he's like, you know. Yeah. And it turns out Iggy uses the last of his strength. To replace. And lifts off Ponoraf from the ground and, like, get him out of the way. And Ponoraf's like, I told you not to do that, man. Like, you should have used strength for yourself. And then Iggy just. Gone. Dead. So does he get sucked up or does he just die? He just dies he's... from the wounds. Oh, damn. And it is the most saddest death because he's like, he does like that cocky, like smile. Cause like, yeah, I got you, man. And oh. then he's like, <laughs> and then blood comes out and he's just dead. And you're like, oh, and like this music, like sad as shit. And you're like the stand releases cause he's no longer alive. And it's like the sands feels cold now. Cause there's no one. Yeah. Cause it's, and sad. you're like, Oh, Iggy, and he just sucks because he's like a cute little dog. You're like, oh, and it's like interesting too because that that reminds me of on my hero when Crust died to save Aizawa. Do you remember that in the war? Oh, in the war. Yeah. Spoiler: If you haven't seen, if you haven't read the manga for My Hero Academia, but essentially there's this. Um, to keep it brief, there's this uh, giant war that's happening, and there's this character that can disintegrate anything that he touches, right? And anything that the disintegration touches, they it also starts. Well, to I mean, listen, Shigaraki. Yeah, Shigaraki. Yeah. Okay. So, what happens is, is that Shigaraki wakes up from his slumber, and he immediately goes to decay everything, right? Yeah. So, um, Aizawa, uh, Eraserhead, is being is fighting a Nomu, and he's in the vicinity of the decay. Right. Right. So what Crust does, Crust has like these shields, right, that he mm-hmm. can make. So he he shielded Aizawa and protected him from the decay. But in doing so, Crust starts to decay himself. Right. And the last thing you see of Crust is a tear in his eye, and he puts a thumb out with a smile as Aizawa's being carried away. Yeah. And he's like, Aizawa's like, no! Like, you know, like, overall, and you get to see the perspective of, like, Crust's thumb Right, as he's yeah. slowly disintegrating from his eye view. Like, I don't really give two shits about Crust, to yeah, be honest with you. Because right. he's not, like, a main character or anything. Yeah. But it was a sad scene, and it reminds me a little bit of that, like, a sacrifice in that regard. I think what jo- JoJo does very well with his character deaths, and that really gets you home, is that there's no... There's almost, like, no pomp and circumstance. Yeah. It is, like, someone, got, someone gets donated, and they're just dead. And it's like, all right, no last words. That's it. you just gone. And yeah. you're just like, oh, 
He's gone. Like, fuck. Like, that's yeah. the the main character he's dead now like, yeah that's the type of thing well that's how i felt when spoiler again for my hero when they killed twice oh man when they killed twice i was shocked that they killed twice yeah. i was shocked i could not believe it i was like dude you just killed like their most powerful character besides shiggy you know like that's crazy and yeah, one i actually didn't want the one who least deserved it too he was the one that least deserved it he really was and it's like sad it's also sad because it was kind of like his own fault, you know, right. for trusting Hawks. Like, you know, and Haw- I mean, granted, Hawks didn't want to, you know, yeah. but he had to, you know, in that regard. Had to. Yeah. He had to. <laughs> Can you imagine if Twice copied Shigaraki? Yeah, I know. Dude, they wouldn't, they would all have been dead. I know. There's no way. So he had to go. But it was like one of those things that's sad for sure. Yeah. Um, we've. One other thing that really kind of like passage of time that really gets me mm-hmm. kind of in a similar vein. It's almost like end of eras that kind of get me too. Yeah. Like the end of an, like um, the end of a series, right? Like when it all comes for a circle or whatever. Kind of. Yeah. Um, Clone Wars season seven. Oh man. Clone Wars season seven. Star Wars is, is amazing, man. But right. Clone Wars season seven was those crazy. last two episodes were some of the best content Star Wars has ever put out. Yeah, and while also rad fight and escape thing, like the end, the end gets you, and you're just like, as a Star Wars fan, you're like, all right, this is the end of the Clone yeah. Wars. Right? Yeah. So basically, what they did was is that they took the last few episodes and they tied it with episode three. So those those episodes take place in congruency with episode three. Right. So if you've ever wondered, like if you're a Star Wars fan, you know, kind of Star Wars lore to a degree, but not really, you know, mm. you must, you might've heard that like Anakin had a Padawan Ahsoka, right? And you were like, well, why wasn't she in the movies? Mm. Right. Well, this series explains it. She was actually uh, fighting on Mandalore, which is the planet of the Mandalorians, which yeah. you are probably familiar with in the TV show and et cetera. Mm. So she was fighting Darth Maul on Mandalore with the Mandalorians at the incongruency with Anakin, um, in, in a Coruscant, you know, going in adjacent Obi-Wan on you and Obi-Wan on. Yeah. And uh, so Obi-Wan was fighting Grievous. Anakin was, uh, staying put and found out that, well, he found out that Palpatine was the Sith Lord and she's on Mandalore all at the same time. Yeah. Right. So you feel the tension because you know what's coming. Yeah. Right. You just don't know how, like what is like, you know, when, you, you know, know, yeah. When's the ball going to drop? When is the ball going to drop? Yeah, exactly. So it, and you, and they know, you know, because they have all this music that is just making you feel like, oof, man, they like, got some bass cellos and all right, hold the drone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ser- yeah. Seriously, man. They were like, all right, we need to make this as suspenseful as possible. And they were like, all right, we got you. Yeah. Just hold it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it gets to this part where Ahsoka senses through the force because she has a connection with Anakin, what Anakin did. Yeah. You actually even hear Hayden Christensen's voice. Yeah, like, what have I done? Yeah. yeah. No, what have I done was actually played by the voice actor of the other one. Oh, did he really? She oh. was like, I need him. That oh. was the part where you hear Hayden. Oh, okay. Um, I thought so too at first, but I rewatched it recently and then I was like, oh, okay. So you, she hears the part uh, where Anakin attacks uh, Mace Windu and kill, pretty much kills him. And, and then, literally at the same time, Rex is getting the Order 66. Order 66 thing, yeah. So she's on the ship now, supposedly, supposedly returning to Coruscant with Maul. And everything just fucking goes down on the ship, right? Where everyone just starts attacking her. She has no idea why, you know. Yeah. She escapes. Um, 
for a meantime, figures kind of figures out what's happening low key. Like she knows that there's a chip inside of the clones that's causing them to go crazy. Can I just say, yeah, Disney and Dave Filoni love Anakin's dark deeds. The track from John Williams. Yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Like every time order 66 happens it is dropped. It's, it's and dropped. you're just like, Oh no. Here because we go. you know, cause you know what's happening. Yeah. And it's cool because she ends up saving one of the clones named Rex. Who's like a big player yeah. in the clone war series. Um, and um, he has to come to terms with the fact that he has to kill his own brothers, yeah. you know, because they're not in the right sanity. They can't be reasoned with. They can't be reasoned with, and they they don't have the manpower to save them all, you yeah. know? So it's very interesting in that way. You have to see. So it's like, I mean, episode three, we got most of the Jedi's perspective, but we've never gotten hers because she wasn't in the films. Well, so, even so, how it was cut in episode three and like... Well, it gives a lot of context. It gives a lot of context, but like... Like, you know, like you see the younglings get murdered and it's yeah. funny. Like it yeah. was not really executed that well. No, but this is like, but whoa. this was like that final scene where you have the crash ship and it's Ahsoka and Rex and they have all the helmets. Yeah, they, the they bury. So like the thing about Ahsoka, what made her so awesome, I think in that scene is that like Rex is like, they're going to kill us. And she, cause she's like, I don't want to kill them. Right. Yeah. But he's trying to convince her to kill them because she's like, listen, they, they don't care that they're, they're they're going to kill us, you know? Like, even if they die, they will take us down. They will take us down, you know? And she was just like, yeah, you know, I get that and all. But, you know, I still don't want to be the person. Like, it's not my way, you know? It's not the Jedi way to kill. Because like, she knows that it's not their fault, you know? They're being controlled. Well, she's like, yeah, they may be willing to die, but I'm not going to be the one who's I'm not going to be the one who's killing them, yeah, yeah. Which is such a nice, like, that's that's a Jedi, you know? Which is so interesting that the, you know, Darth Vader was her mentor, you know, like the darkest, one of the darkest beings in the galaxy was created one of the, the best Jedi, you know, to exist, you know, it's very, the parallels are interesting that he, he could teach her the way, but he couldn't follow ways himself. Well, I mean, she's not even completely a Jedi too. Like, well, she's what a Jedi were supposed to be. And yeah. Then, but that's what's, but that's what's interesting to yeah. me is that he taught her how to be the way that Jedi should be. Yeah. You know, he just couldn't, no one taught him. You know, you know what I mean? And it's kind of interesting that way. Um, my favorite scene, though, is the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's why also like end of an era and like time skips. Yeah. Because like you come back with Darth Vader, who's at the planet, and then the little funeral pyre is all wrecked because time has passed. Because time has passed. It's snowy now. And it's all snowy. And like, you're just like, yeah, there's any Jesse and any of those clone troopers. You have no idea who they are anymore. They're yeah. forgotten names. They're forgotten names. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. And the thing is with him, too, is because if you know anything about Vader, he the whole point of him becoming Vader was to save Padme. Yeah. After Padme died, it was like, well, what was the point of all this? You know what I mean? I should have just been a Jedi. You know? Like, you know what I mean? In his mind, at least for a long time, it was kind of like, well, I'm just living in misery of my own mistake, you know? Yeah. And the, the cool thing I saw was that when he picked up her lightsaber because she left it there, mm. right? And he turned it on. And first you see Vader with a blue lightsaber, which is just cool, I mm. think, in the first place. But if you look at his visor, you can see his eye. And, it's, and, and it's, it's they're normal. They're not yellow. So if you don't know, a Sith Lord, someone who's within the dark side purely, has yellow eyes. So he was not committed at the time of finding it. Or if he was committed, he had a short li- uh, short lapse you know, in it. Well, because in episode three, you see him when he's murdering the shit out of the separatists. His eyes are yellow, but they fluctuate though. They're not constant. They're not constant. They're not constant. And the last time they turned yellow was when 
he burned when, alive. when he was being burned alive. Yeah, when he was being burned alive. Yeah, that was the last time. And then obviously later on, you, you see that they're permanently yellow after a while. Yeah. But um, um, you know, once he gives up entirely and he's just like, screw it, this is me now. You know. Mm. Um, but uh, it's interesting to see that. And then you see, if I'm not mistaken, I don't recall. I don't. I don't know if this is true or not. I, it's. It, I've heard that the the owl or the bird. Uh, I've heard that that's the daughter. It's either or. It's either, either the daughter or it's the bird from Rebels, right? Yeah. Either way, it's freaking cool. Yeah. You know, like overall. So it's just like an amazing scene. You get so many callbacks and you get to see Vader in Clone Wars animation, which we haven't seen yet. And he looks badass as hell. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think just though, like going back to sad. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's like an end of era. Like you zoom on that clone helmet. It's like, yeah, it's over. Like and all the adventures we had, it ends up in like a bitter defeat. Yeah, was, that's the thing too about I think that like episode one, two, three, there's like episode one takes place 18 years before episode two and then a few years yeah. in, you know, a few years have gone by, you know, since episode three. Um, you miss context, but with Clone Wars, it picks up from episode two onward. And it gives you so many adventures with these characters. It shows you some of the stories that they were. Well, you actually to. grow to like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, they give you con- like Anakin is like redeemed in my eyes. Oh, definitely from the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. you know, and like a lot of his actions in Episode Three make sense now because of the things that you've seen in Clone Wars. You know, Anakin just needed therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just needed a good therapist and a good uh, people to actually not distrust him and think that he's the devil. You know, yeah. pretty much. Um, but yeah, you get to see uh, a lot of progressions and things. So you get more attached and you, you know, you see all these adventures and all these stories and then to have it end, like where pretty much everyone dies, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like really crazy. In general. Um, so kind of off the same vein as time passing and stuff. It's not on the list. Cause I just remember it now. Sure. Land of the lustrous. Oh yeah. You always wanted to tell me about that. It is. It's one of the, it's a manga right now. I mean, it has a 12 episode or 12 or 24, I remember, on Amazon. Okay. Uh, and it's very pretty, you know, Studio Orange did a good job. Um, but, okay, so the gist is it's this reality where there are these kind of beings made out of like minerals. So yeah. like you have diamond, you have ruby, you have like stuff. Very Steven Universe ish, <laughs> um, and but the gist is like that every day they have to kind of live on guard because there's these lunarians, these people from the moon who come down and try to abduct them to steal their like Mater- materials. Yeah, yeah. And you're following this very like young, the youngest one, Phosphorolite, and you watch her start as this very innocent little like oh i'm just wanna i want a job i want to be part of it and everyone's like oh fossil you weakling you useless (laughs) (laughs) and as things go on you see her transform to eventually meet the expectations but the process of doing so has traumatized her yeah the, the price yeah, because, like, she loses friends, and yeah. she feels responsible. And Land of the Lustrous is, like... Because the whole whole big premise is that um, if the gem people are hurt, if they have their pieces, they can reattach them and get healed. But however, with Foss also being quite fragile, 
she breaks pieces and they're just gone. They get you know lost or they're stolen. So it's like, all right, we need to find replacement material for you. And like sometimes it's like quartz pieces attached to her, and then like she loses her arms, so she like replaces with a gold, like molten gold sort of thing. And the whole series is kind of like a ship of Theseus question of like, are you still, are you still you after that? Like, is the ship still the ship? Like how much is Foss is really still left? Right? Yeah. Like it's Theseus theory is what, like is the ship still the ship. If you replace like, all the parts, if you replace all the parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it gets worse and worse. Cause like, like you find out that the leader is like keeping secrets. It's like the Lunarians need, like know him somehow. Like yeah. other than just a gem fan, like, they're after him specifically for some reason. And like, he, he knows why, but he's not telling anyone why. And everyone's kind of just blindly fight. Was like, yeah. like, I'm going to find the fucking answers. Cause I'm tired of this. And you watch her. Cause also being these like gem beings who just do their duties and stuff. They don't understand anything that's not like efficient or like helpful sort of thing like if you're not pulling your weight yeah like if it's not logically like making things easier like they're not emotionally intuitive yeah yeah and like you watch that like you see like Foss is like fucking traumatized and like it's going down the spiral of like bad and no one's helping her and in fact making things worse yeah so you get to the end where she's literally joined up with the lunarians and stuff the people who are taking the parts. Yeah. Okay. Because she... Well, she's like, fuck their people, or my people, because they're not helping me. Well, because she got abducted by them, and she's like, I want to see what's actually happening. And she goes and sees their society, and, like, they're telling her about all the things and what the leader has been hiding this whole time. And it's like, we're trying to ascend, right? Because we're spirits. And he's the only one who could pray for us to leave. But he hasn't done that. Because he's broken. So it's like they're trying to fix. That's why we've been trying to we've been pushing him by kidnapping people so he can finally just get it over with. But he refuses to do so. Oh, so you're saying they're they're trying to force his hand. Yeah. And so Osphalite's like, what the fuck? Like, this is all happening because you can't do it. And like a faction of the gems join her and live the Lunarians. And this is like. 500 years passes. <laughs> like, sort okay, of thing. so it's like a big time skit. Yeah, there's big ass time skits because they are mortal, right? And like she tried to get from uh, like the gems who stayed behind fought her and they broke her up into pieces. And like, she's like, they're like, Foss is crazy. Like she's a dangerous person now. So they scattered her pieces all over the continent. Damn. And this is 500 years. She's been stuck in the ground sort of thing. And did the Lunarians and her friends come out there? No, they're just chilling. And like literally, like was it like one of them becomes like a pop star on the Lunarian thing, and like Jeez, they're just doing their own lies thing. Yeah, as just, like just forgot about her. They just forgot much. about her. Yeah, and like the leader actually comes and digs her out and puts her back together, and it's like I'm sorry this all happened. Like I know you want me to do this, but I'm broken. I can't fix this, and she just fucking loses it. Yeah, like she is like. Because she is just a broken mess, and like her face is missing, so she has like jagged teeth of spikes. And she's like, fuck all of you. I'm going to just murder everybody in my way. And she's like, she just genocides all the gems. She just murders everybody. Um, And like, she is like choking him out sort of thing. And it's like, pray, pray. Like just, yeah. And he like 
can't do it. So she like kills him. <laughs> like, and because also the big thing of this is that you find out like the Lunarians, the gems, and this like other C group that you meet earlier are all pieces of human. Like they're all pieces together of that will make humanity. Okay. So when she finally kills him and like she kind of takes his pieces, she finally ascends to being a human who's able to pray. Oh. So now where this is left off, where we are right now is like, she like sees like crazy, like past events and stuff. And the Lunarians are like, all right, we gather all your friends. We transform them into Lunarians. And um, while you get all situated, we're going to be waiting for you and just join ourselves. And that's going to be, in, oh, I don't know, 10,000 years. But why? Why does it take so long? You don't know. I, off the top no, of no no no. my head, I don't remember if I was going too deep in lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they literally leave her alone on this planet for 10,000 years. And that's where it's left off right now. (laughs) Damn, that's crazy. And I'm like, you guys are all going to (laughs) die. Yeah, you are. Not the way you want, not the prey way. You guys are going to (laughs) die. Yeah. And that is just like, it's not like sob sad, but it's just like, fuck. It's like empty sad where you're just like, oh my God. Can you imagine? Like that. Like, like, if you try to put yourself in those shoes, you're, like, like even though it's, like, you know, not real, but it's, like, if you try to put yourself there, you're, like, wow, that's, like, torture. Because there's, there's a lot of sad moments of, like, um, because as you lose pieces of yourself, you also lose some part of your memories because it's, like, a piece of you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, she made this friend with the sea um, person early on in the cities, but as she lost pieces, she doesn't remember who they are anymore. Yeah. And, like, they passed away and they're gone now. And, like, any mem- memories of that friendship is gone. And you're just, like, oh. <laughs> yeah you're just like man she's like, just a damn. she's just a walking corpse at this point you yeah. know like to a degree oh it's such i mean it's a very how do i describe it very artsy series yeah and but interpretive like, almost very oh yeah i don't know about interpretive but like there's a lot of symbolic stuff in there and it's just like i always suggest trying and like reading and slash watching it for yourself yeah because like it's very hard to just explain it shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But uh, there's a subreddit, and it's like, oh, I hope you're ready for some more heartbreak this week and pain. Yeah, seriously, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to use the bathroom. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> My apologies. We can cut that out. <laughs> I'm afraid to hit stop, so I'm just gonna. No, that's fine. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say I love this broadcaster? I love it. This thing is so good. I'm just going to play the entirety of the uh, Jujutsu Kaisen ending. Lost in Paradise by Ali. Very good song. Thank <laughs> you.
Oh, man. So how are y'all doing? Is this even still in the podcast? Got a pineapple down east right here. for you guys uh, on our social medias when we post this episode why don't you uh, tell us what made you cry whatever media that is whether it's on books or movies or uh, TV shows games and you know a little interaction that'd be cool This is taking a while. We gotta listen to a sick ass ED, right? Yeah. Nice sax solo. Well, this broadcast is fucking good. I'm moving this mic right now, and it's not picking up anything. It's crazy. I can't even hear it. It's raining outside right now. Like pouring. not too far in this podcast. I thought we'd been going longer. I'd love to do a cover of this song. Pretty cool. Butchering this. Now I'm 
Oh, he just went for the whole thing. Were you waiting the whole time? No. Okay. It literally, the song just finished. As it came in, I've been ad-libbing. <laughs> no, I just heard the last part. Yeah, you can just, you can edit that in or you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry about that. That's okay. Welcome All right. Back. Yeah, thanks. All right. Um. All right, let's see what's next here. Um, I mean, one thing I want to talk about is Ghost of Tsushima. Ooh. All right, so I fucking love this game, right? Yeah. And I I beat the game completely, and then all my save data for my PlayStation broke. I mean, that's the real tragedy. That's the real tragedy. <laughs> that's what really made me cry, but like... Yeah, <laughs> that that's, all, that's rough. That I had all my games for the past, since like 2014, that all my game save data is just gone, so... Yeah. Although I wonder if I deleted it, like if it was like, you know, if I deleted it from memory... If the memory is still there, I, I don't know. Probably not. Whatever. Anyway, um, the thing about uh, Ghost is that what's so interesting is that it takes place on the island of Tsushima. The Mongols are invading. The Mongols are invading. The Mongols are invading. Yes. So what happens is, is that there's this character named Gene Sekai, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the main character you follow. Essentially, he's one of the samurai who fought on the main island yeah. beach during the first invasion right no one of the only ones survive the only one of them survive yeah and except for his uncle who was taken captive right yeah. so now his whole mission primarily is to save the main person who raised him which was his uncle and to save his his island and his country right right yeah so the thing about samurai is that they have honor and a code right like they don't stab people in the back they fight them head on honorably everything. yeah honorably right they look them in the eyes when they kill them right or whatever yeah right Give them dignity when they challenge die. me to a duel. Yeah, it was like you you kill them with dignity, essentially in honor, like a samurai would, right? Yeah. So the thing is, like, he has to sacrifice. He learns that he has to start start sacrificing his code to win. Yeah. You okay. Got experience more like guerrilla warfare. Yeah, he has to like become an assassin and and do stealth and and not always fight person one on one or head to head, right? And and do things that samurai are primarily not supposed to do. Right. right? Yeah. So. When you first kill somebody by stabbing him in the back, right, he has this flashback of when he had to fight this person who tried to kill both him and his uncle when he was a kid, mm. right? And his uncle told him to uh, to kill him, right, but kill, look him in the eye, like, with dignity, you yeah. know? And he did, and he's remembering this, realizing that he's betraying everything that he stood for in that moment that he stabbed, that he killed the person by stabbing him in the back, right? Right. So you see as the game progresses that he does save his uncle, right? Mm. And he starts to work with his uncle, but his, his uncle has seen a change in him. Yeah. Because he's starting to realize that it's like, it's he's not that he thinks it's okay, but necessary, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. He becomes yeah. more and more comfortable playing by different rules than what he was brought up as and well, what I mean, his uncle believes. I mean, also meta-wise, as a player, you're just like, yeah, stealth option. Right? Yeah, well, I stealth the whole game now because I'm playing on hard, the hardest difficulty and I'll die for one hit. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So I stealth the whole game pretty much now if, unless I have to fight, you know? Yeah. Um, Regardless of the case, though, what happens is is that you find that the the people who he's saving on the island now are starting to nickname him the Ghost. Yeah, right. Which is so epic, right? right. <laughs> but but um, pretty rad. Pretty rad. So the thing is that there comes to a, a, a point in time where he he uh, he does something right, where his uncle can visibly see him doing it. Right? Yeah, and um, his uncle chastises him for it, and he's like, "What the hell? Like, you know, this is not you." 
right? Right. And he's like, he's feeling slightly, the character Jin feels slightly, I think, betrayed in this moment because he's worked so hard on his own, mostly. Yeah. To save his island and save his uncle. And now he's getting chastised and for it. And now he's getting chastised for it, yeah. So now there's a choice that you can make. His uncle's like, listen, if you come back now, no harm's done. Go back to being a samurai and I'm going to put a word in to the emperor to make you like a lord. Or to, to make you my son legally and you could take over not only Sakai but my Shimura line as right, well. Right, right, right. So, or you can choose to continue being the ghost. Okay? Yeah. So... The thing is, like, I I mean, I, I chose to be the ghost. I don't know what happens if you choose the other option. But the thing is, like, what the, the scene that took place afterwards is so crazy. Because he's like, Gene, you know, like, what's wrong? He's, I'm not Gene. I am the ghost. Oh. And, like, that's what's so cool to me, but sad. Because you see that this person who was so righteous and just fall into depravity due to his circumstances yeah you know what i mean and that's like a such a heart-wrenching moment in general because in his mind he still feels that he's honorable and he's still a samurai and he still wants to do good towards japan and the island yeah but he's being ridiculed by his by the closest person in his line right you know what i mean right and like he realizes that if he if he, he starts to realize that the way that his uncle is thinking is flawed yeah. and that they'll never win and beat the Mongols if they fight by his game. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's like, I can't be with you now because if I am, we'll lose. I know we'll lose the way I'm doing this is working and we're going to continue to do it this way. Yeah. You know, but you find that like now that he's being now, not, not only is he being attacked by Mongols, but if he goes near Japan's military, like samurai or anything else, They'll, they'll attack him. Because he's, you like, know? he's like abandoned now. He's abandoned. Yeah. And there's this epic scene at the end of the game where you have to fight your uncle. Yeah, I figured. So he, your uncle sends you a letter saying to meet you at your, your residence, your home residence. And they fight under this tree. And you have the option at the end to kill your uncle or not. I chose not to mm-hmm. for me. Okay. And he was like, I'm not a murderer. You know, like, yeah. I'm not what you think I am. Uh, you know, I still have honor. I'm not going to just kill you. You're my... But that's the thing, though, is that he's not a samurai anymore. His uncle... Because it goes back to that same flashback yeah. where he's like, his uncle's like, kill me with honor. You know, kill me and do what you must because this is a duel to the death. That's how samurai work, right? Yeah. But the ghost now is like, no. He's like, you're my family. I don't do... I don't play by those rules anymore. And he's like, I let, I let him go. Uh, and you know, and in that, and in a way, that's his own honor now. Yeah. So it's like, what is the term? It's not samurai. It's um, no, it is samurai. No, no, I mean like there's a oh, like a ronin, ronin or shoot, because there's ronin and um, it, there's ronin in the game that are mercenaries that are not samurai, but they fight. So, no, I mean because like there's like the um, kind of those who follow samurai rules, but they're not like bound to a lord like shinobi or like. I don't know the difference between samurai and shinobi. I thought shinobi, well, and shinobi are like ninja-like though, right? They don't. I don't know the exact. I don't know. We're, let's just call him like a, the ghost yeah, for now, ghost, right? Because yeah. that's what he is, right? Right. So it's really interesting to see, like you see him change his whole perspective based off of the circumstances that preceded him. You yeah, know? yeah. But with, through no fault of his own. Like he, like, you know, there's another character that's like a stealth, a stealthy, like kind of ninja-esque person, but they're, they're not samurai. They're not anything really. They just right. want to fight. Right. Right. And then he, she teaches him like, she's like there for him the whole time. Like, and she's the one who supports him like the most, you know, mm. she's like, um, you know, uh, 
this is the way we have to do this yeah. to beat them, you know? And he starts to adapt the ideology and becomes that ideology, you know? Yeah. And it really takes hold after, so the whole point of them together is that she has a brother who's a blacksmith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, um, who is held captive. And he says, if you help me save my uncle and help me, you know, rebuild a little bit, I will help you save your brother, mm-hmm. right? So they do save the brother and the brother becomes like, your one of your closest friends and w- one of your closest supporters. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, um, it's one of those things where like you start to believe in your cause more because there's someone else who's so justifying. Right. Like, yeah. Following yeah okay. you. And then what happens is that he's so the, the care, the brother is so inspired by his actions that he, he, and he's not a big fighter. This guy's a blacksmith, right? His yeah, sister's the yeah, one who can fight. He's not the one. Right. But he chooses to do something and he gets captured. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you go to rescue him, but you get captured. Hell yeah. And then you have to watch as they murder him. Oh. Right? Well, as, that's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, right? You see that your closest person to like who supports your ideology died due to your ideology. Mm. You know, so you see yourself like being placed deeper into this depravity. So it's not, it's not, tur- it was like, it was like, I was shocked that like, my mouth was open when he died. I didn't expect it. You know mm. what I mean? Like overall the way they do it. But, um. It was just something about like just the overall like just like how you see someone fall, you know what I mean? Mm. Even if they, it's like it's like the same line, and, and you live either die here or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, yeah. you know. Whether or not he was really the villain or not, you know, you to the people's eyes, he started not not the really people, but the the organization with which he was bond, bound to, yeah, starts you know disgrace him as such, you mm. know, and he becomes something that's not in line with the government and how what's established with the emperor and everything like that, you know, becomes a fugitive essentially, you know? Yeah. You see like this just shift, like he fought so hard for his, his country and his home that he sacrificed everything to do it, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of like why I think it's like really impactful and it's like heart wrenching to a degree. Cause you're just like, wow, you know, people, you'll go so far to do something that you think is right, you know? Mm, right. So, go, so, so in that vein of games, right? Sure. Um, there's two of them spring to mind one's not on the list because i just remembered now sure sure um one is shadow of the colossus okay right yeah and you played a little bit of shadow i played a little bit i wanted to play the whole thing but i just didn't yeah. get a chance right so from the little you played and what you've probably seen like you know it's a game that doesn't tell you a lot yeah it's very like it does not it does not tell you anything from, from where I got. Yeah, the only gist is you go to the Forbidden Lands to save your loved one who died for some reason. Or like a yeah. unnecessary sacrifice. It's hard to explain with this game, right? Without yeah. getting into details. <laughs> um, and you're in contact with this being who's like, I can revive her, but you have to unseal my power which is being held by 16 colossi in this land giant beings essentially yeah and like they're big like yeah they are skyscrapers yeah. yeah they are um and it's like all right you have a sword a bow and a horse yeah and go <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and you know like you go into that first boss and it's like epic thing. I was like, duh, duh. And this yeah. thing like stomping around. They scare you, man. Cause they're so big in comparison to you. Oh yeah. And they don't just stop following you. Like they'll chase your ass. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, and like you are, you are essentially just like a farm boy who like, he's not really good with a sword. Like he can barely swing the thing. All you good is like, you can point the sword to sunlight. It shows a weak spot and go stabby stabby. And 
also shows you where to go, right? Yes. It leads you to the next one. Um, and you knock down the first Colossus. And it's like, it's like slowing in slow motion. It's like, oh. Yeah, that was epic when it died. I was like, oh shit. And you're like, <laughs> why was that sad? Wait, yeah. I thought these were big monsters. What the, what's, well, the thing is like, they don't, they don't look malicious. Most of them. Most, well, the ones that I've seen again. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. They don't look malicious to me, at least, like at least the first one didn't. Well, the whole big thing is if you, cause you go and find out where they're chilling, right? And this big empty land is the forbidden lands is a big expansive land it's beautiful it's very beautiful but it's very devoid of like life yeah there's not much going on except for just land yeah so you go to these places and the colossuses are just chilling they're not doing anything like they're not bothering anyone yeah so and some of them don't even attack you once you start the fight. Oh, really? They will just chill and wait until you actually start like damaging them. And then they're like, okay, get off me, please. Yeah. 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 Um, and you keep killing these Colossuses and like every time you do, you return back and like there's a shadowly figure standing over you and each one does like another one gets added every time you kill one. Yeah. And you watch your character slowly become more and more corrupted. Like he gets covered in this like blackish soot sort of thing. Yeah. He gets more pale and like you see these black veins growing up in him. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I don't think this was the right thing. The right thing. This doesn't feel right. And every, like you get the sad music for every Colossus. You're like, is this, is it, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Is like, this, is this something girl else really to, worth it? There's like something else at play. Yeah. Yeah. And, like you then like the end, like you are reaching the last clauses, your buddy, the horse who's been through all with you falls off the cliff in order to save you. Like he launches you as the bridge collapses and he oh, falls. no. And you're like, aggro, no, your only companion, your only companion. And like the final boss, well, the final boss is like, there is no action music. It's just a dirge of like, done, done. And like, this thing is a fucking tower. And it's also sad in that sense. Like, you're not really sure if these classes are smart. You don't know or, if they're sentient or, or sentient. Just, yeah. But like, from the perspective, because this last one is like at the end of the pen, peninsula. And he's watching the beams go up every time you kill one of his brethren. Oh. So once you come up, his arm is cocked with lightning energy. And he's like, <laughs> come out. Dare you. I dare you to come out. Yeah, well, he like, knows. Like, he's he ready. He knows. Like, yeah, he's ready. And, like, it's just, there's no action music. It's just still, like, a whole sad set piece. Uh, like, a rainstorm's happening, and you're, like, your horse is just dead, and you're like, what am I doing? What is yeah. the point of this? And the end is where, I guess, the finally, everything's unveiled. Like, these villagers come through with the elder, and it's like, you stole this magic sword from the village, to do this ritual thing to release your, the spirit guy who's actually the sentient demon. We locked away cause he's evil. <laughs> and now you just unsealed him. <laughs> like, yeah. And like they kill the main character. Oh, they do. They shoot him in the leg and then just stab him. Oh my God. And, but because he's did the ritual, all the shadowy figures go toward him and they like morph into a Colossus as the as the spirit, he's like, I'm awake now. And like, I'm finally free. 
and they're like, we got to seal the thing. So everyone's running. And now you actually play as a Colossus. Oh, that's cool. And you're trying to stop them. Oh, shit. But like, and you, you kind of get like a perspective of like, oh, now I understand why it's so hard for the Colossus to hit me because I'm like, I'm super slow. Yeah. And you're trying to chase them down. And, but they escape. You can, you cannot beat them. They escape and they seal you away. Okay. So like, Wanda um, is the main character, right? And like Dorman's essence gets sucked off in, into it as like pool thing. And like you, you like literally struggle to hold on as to not get sucked in. And the Colossus death music is playing the sad one. Oh, and crazy. it's like, Oh no, like this is it. Like you're not going to make it out of this. And no matter how far you have a grip strength sort of thing. Is this for the main character? Or yeah. Is, okay. So he's still, he's still alive somehow. Or yeah, he he's clo- still alive somehow. And like all the, evil essence got sucked off him but he's still getting sucked in so, oh, so like he's trying to cling to life still and like yeah try to like make you because like you have a grip strength stamina bar okay and you're literally holding on to the floor you see it like slowly ticking it away you're like no 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 no, no. Come on, come on. and you but you can't escape it um so he goes in with the bags bad spirit yeah and like the villagers leave and it's like i hope you found what you're looking for in these forbidden lands now no one's going to be able to access it because the bridge breaks down and it's like all right I hope you got what you're good for. Like, that's that. That's the end of that. Yeah. And then the real sadness comes in. Oh, that's not the sadness? No. Because the evil spirit kept its word. <laughs> and oh, the it, girl's alive. She brought her back. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, he kept his word. Like, you didn't, because he didn't have to. Like, he was an evil spirit thing, but he kept his word. And then the horse comes back, too. No way. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, you're like, aggro, you're alive. Um, And, like, they walk together. And you go to the pool where everyone was sucked in and there's a baby left. And you're like, hello. Okay. And it's the wander has been reverted back into a child essentially. Okay. But he's also been kind of like morphed with Dorman, the spirit. Okay. Now he's got horns. Okay. So now the ending, I mean, the ending's very like ambiguous. Yeah. And like the girl mono and the horse go up the tower and they like find like life come like comes back to the lands. Cause now there's no more evil spirit. Yeah. And it's like, I guess she's just taking care of him now <laughs> sort of thing. And it's just like, and the whole thing is kind of this tragedy almost that like you see someone who knows he kind of knows what he's doing is wrong he's kind of picked up and like he's getting corrupted and stuff but he continues continues because he his love is too much like he loves her too much he can't let go it's obsessive well no, i don't know about obsessive but like he doesn't want to let her go sort of thing yeah and that's always like like it's a, it's a very yeah. bittersweet ending it's a bittersweet, of like, yeah he got fucked in the end but he got what he wanted at the same time yeah so it's like, like he succeeded oof. but you yeah that's crazy yeah. That's kind of crazy ending. I didn't expect that from that game. Shadow is very artsy. Yeah, yeah. I like I like it though. Maybe I want it since I didn't really get that far anyway. Maybe I'll just... you can breeze honestly. You can breeze through Shadow in like an hour or two. It's actually not that. Oh really? If you just if I just dedicate, excuse me, if I just dedicated myself pretty much. Yeah, it's it's pretty short, but like it's a heavy short. <laughs> Interesting. Um, the other game that came to mind now is Undertale. Okay. Have you heard of Undertale? It sounds familiar. You might have told me, but I don't remember. Like, you've probably seen the memes with, like, Sans, the skeleton, and, like, 
megalovania. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. It comes from Undertale. Okay. And I don't know how much I should tell you because that's like, at one hand, it's like, it needs to be played. Yeah. Okay. To, uh, to really understand it. Sure. But at the same time, I don't know if you're ever going to play it. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I, I don't know. It's you on know? Switch. Yeah. It's on Switch. Um, give it. Uh, don't 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 tell me. Don't tell me. All right. Just keep it keep it keep it vague. All right, I'll keep it vague. The whole gist is that you're a child. Okay. And you fall into this hole in the mountain where it's said that thousands of years ago. There were humans and monsters together. But a war happened and the humans won. And okay. forced all the monsters underground. Okay. So they're under this mountain. And this child falls in. Oh, great. So it's like, they're trying to now get out. And it's like, but there's a magical barrier over it. And you need some power in order to get through. And you basically need to... Seven human souls is the key. Okay. In order to break it through. Sure. And you learn that the monsters have been gathering souls over time as humans have fallen in. So they have six now. Oh, and he's... Uh... And then the child is the last one. But the monsters are not mean. <laughs> Wait, really? So the big thing of the game is that you can make a choice. When you fight enemies or monsters, you can either fight them and just kill them or you can spare them. Okay. So you can either find out, like you can try talking to them or like doing games with them and that would turn them to like a docile state and you can just spare them and continue onwards. And depending on how you play, it affects what happens in the game. Oh, that's cool. So it's like one of those games. Okay. Yeah. So like, um, there's different routes. Like you have like yeah. the neutral route, the pacifist route, and the then, genocide, right? Yeah. And the game, I mean, the, the game is very meta. Like there are some characters who are kind of aware of what's going on. And it's like, you're just a sick fuck who wants to go see all the routes, don't you? Like sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you replay over again, like some characters like, didn't we just meet? Like sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those games. Yeah, but there's like a lot of moments in there where like you start peeling back the story of like how certain things happen. You're yeah, just like, oh, oh man, like that sucks. And there's one specifically where you're basically getting the, the big story of like what happened and why, how, why is this the way it is now? And it's aptly to the track called Undertale 2. Okay. Which is like this acoustic guitar like thing. And you're walking through this big pathway and like you're getting these encounters, but it's just the monsters telling you the story. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's. I mean, it's very hard to tell you. Yeah, about, no, I know, I know. Um, but it is definitely probably honestly because again, it came out in 2015. Okay, best game of 2015, and honestly, one of the most memorable games I've ever played. Damn. You're making me want to play it now. You should. I mean, I got Raph to play a little bit of it. Really? 
I'll play it. I'll, maybe I'll get it on Switch. That seems like one of the games like I would play on Switch probably. Yeah, it's like it's quirky. It's kind of funny. Yeah, and then it's also like the. <clears throat> yeah, and it's also like it's, I don't really like my PlayStation's all fucked. So. <laughs> I can't play that so much. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I so. actually um have the collector's edition. You oh, do on a shelf. You can see it has the golden heart. I'm blind, bro. I'm not gonna see this shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't see it at all, but I'll see oh, it. Yeah. I'll look at it later <laughs> once yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one got me because it was there was some moments in there where there's a lot, especially um, there's one boss fight near the end. Yeah, where it's like you because you find out the story of who the character is and why they've done the things they've done. Yeah, and they kind of now considered you a friend by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah, can please, yeah. like, can we just stay? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, ah. man, no. <laughs> it's like one of those things that's like heart-wrenching. Like, yeah. Ah. And then it's like one of those, you have to make the choice, I'm assuming, right? I mean, yeah, at that point. Yeah, so it's like, oh, now you got, now they're forcing me to make a decision. And then, you know, like on that. Because like I said, your actions have consequences, sort of. Right? Yeah. And there's like the opposite end of like, because there's like bosses, right? Yeah. But they're like kind of regular people or regular citizens, right? Um, and like depending on if you kill one or them or another. They like, start getting mad. Well, they start, yeah, it starts changing up sort of the things in the world. It's like, um, like this is an early one. So um, like, you know, like I told you, Sans the Skeleton. Everyone knows Sans the Skeleton. And he's a meme lord. Uh, um, and then he has his brother, Papyrus. And he's kind of like a goofy, like Skeletor like person. Like, yeah, I'm going to catch you, human, you know? Yeah. And he's the first one of the bosses. And it's so easy to just like be friends with him and like spare him. But you can also kill him if you want. Okay. And if you kill him, like the other bosses start getting really aggroed with that okay yeah and it's like you killed this innocent person who was just trying to be friends and he was kind and what the fuck is wrong with you like you're yeah. going down oh this is like a pixelated game I'm looking at it, screenshots yes yeah yeah I'll okay definitely. okay okay yeah this looks a little familiar is this a skeleton guy you're talking about uh that's papyrus that's papyrus yeah okay the one the blue jacket sands oh okay okay <laughs> yeah yeah, man, this, this sounds interesting. I'll definitely check it out for sure. See if it's maybe it's like on sale one day on the Nintendo. Oh, stores. I mean, it's cheap as shit. It's probably only like ten dollars. Oh, then yeah, I'll pick it up at some point for sure. Yeah. Um, one one thing that got me that maybe it made me cry as a kid. Um, I remember was uh Vegeta's death, his first death in Dragon oh, Ball. Okay. So I don't know how familiar you are. Yeah, I have no context. All right. So if you didn't know anything about Vegeta. Vegeta is the prince of all Saiyans, is a race of warriors, right? I mean, I know he was antagonistic, and then he was friendly. Well, this is relevant, that's why. Okay, okay. okay. So, his father, King Vegeta, original, okay. was <laughs> was on uh, the King of Planet Vegeta, also original, yeah. right? Um, but they had, uh, they were taking over, they were taken over by a um, emperor named Frieza. Yeah. Okay, and his army. Oh, okay. So they became a militia, part of his army. All right. Right? Vegeta was a child when that occurred. Mm. Okay? So what happened was is that Frieza was scared because there were always, like, these legends of the Saiyans that were was called the legendary Super Saiyan. Like, a thousand years ago, there was a person who was stronger than all of them, you know, okay. overall. Yeah. Right? 
And Frieza was seeing as time went on in his empire that the Saiyans were physically getting stronger because that's what happens to them. So the more they fight, the more damage they get, the more they rebuild, the stronger they become. Okay. And not just so they train, they fight. If they're on the brink of death, there's this thing called a Zenkai boost where if they're on the brink of death and they get healed, whatever that boosts them like immensely on their power. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he was starting to get nervous about a Super Saiyan emerging, mm-hmm. right? Right. So like all gen- genocidal maniacs choose to do, he decided to blow up the planet. Yeah. Okay. In, okay. F- in fear of um of them overturning him at some point in time. Okay. Because right? there's, there's a lot of them. There's a whole planet full of them. Right, you know? right, right. So what happened was is that Vegeta was off world at the time. The Prince Vegeta, the kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. At the time. And Frieza told him and a few other Saiyans that were with him at the time that the planet blew up due to a meteor. So mm. they had no idea that it was him. Yeah. Okay. So from the child, since the time of birth, like pretty much birth, Vegeta was under the rule and slavery of Frieza mm. throughout his whole life. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is, is that he goes to earth and he meets Goku, another Saiyan that was, that was spared. Not yeah. because Frieza's hand is that his father sa- saved him because his father kind of has, has suspected that something was going to occur. So he sent a Saiyan off, his, his son off to right. another planet. Right. Okay. Um, they fight. Goku beats, uh, beats his ass in the end, you know, pretty much. Um, and, uh, he leaves and comes, then they go to another planet called Namek and that's when they actually fight Frieza and they all meet Frieza, right? Yeah. So what happens is that on this planet, Vegeta finds out that Frieza is the one who destroyed his planet. Okay. Okay. So he's never known and he's like, he's like 20 something years old now and now he finds out, right? Yeah. So they are all fighting Frieza together and Frieza shoots him and it's lethal. Okay. Yeah. So he's like on the ground and he's like struggling and he sees a Goku and Goku at the time did not know of his Saiyan heritage, right? He kind of knew once he met Vegeta and his, and, uh, but like, it was never like really known. He doesn't really care too much about it at the time. Right. Right. But Vegeta explains to him his whole life. Like, and at this time they thought Vegeta was just some evil bastard, right? Cause he's always, he killed his own subordinate. He's destroyed a bunch of people, killed a bunch of their friends, no remorse, no care in the world. Right. right, he, right normally. Right. right. So he's just an evil piece of shit at this moment in yeah. time. Right. So what you see is, at least as I'm a kid, because I was really invested in the story, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that you see Vegeta plead to Goku. Now, the thing about the Saiyans is that there's upper class and there's lower class. Goku is the lowest of the low and Vegeta is the highest of the high. Right. So it's a humbling experience and it's so desperate because he's asking a lower class weakling in his eyes. Yeah, to, to help him. Not to help him to, survive, to. but to avenge him. Mm. He says, avenge me and all the Saiyans. He's like, I know you don't know the Saiyan heritage, but you don't understand. Like, we were taken over by him. I hadn't, he's like, I had no choice but to be this. Yeah. He's like, I never had an option to be anything but this, you know? And he destroyed our planet. Like, he destroyed everything that we ever loved, everything that we ever cared about. And you see tears in his eyes. Like, he's crying, like, and he's like, struggling to breathe. And he's like, you know, dying out. And then, and then Frieza just offs him completely at that point. Like, he just shoots him down and he's dead. You know, she's like, finally, he's dead, you know? And Goku makes a, um, buries him and respects. He's like, I think I finally understand you, you know, like overall. And there was like, there's like a, in that moment, there's like a level of respect between the two that was established, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, he, Goku, cause Goku's a kind hearted person. Right. And he's realized that like, you know, Vegeta never had a chance in the world to be anything but evil, you yeah. know, and, and monstrous. Right. So it, it was impactful to me as a child just because you saw him crying. You saw him like laying there dying. And it's like, you know, first impact, I guess. I was like really young when I was like watching that for the first time, yeah. you know? So that always like, it's just the fact that you have a prince, a king pretty much who 
was a slave is like a king who was a slave his whole life, which is like something you don't really hear about. You yeah. know, most often usually it's the kings who are doing the slaving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like interesting in that regard. And to see him have to ask one of his subjects pretty much at that time who he's tortured, you know, by killing his friends and doing all these things to try to avenge him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and his people in general. It's such a prideful moment, like where he has to sacrifice his own pride. And then that's why he's crying. I don't think he's crying because he cares about the Sands who died, but more that he has to he has to succumb to this situation where he can't kill his his master. You right, know, he can't right. free himself. He's already done. Yeah. He can only ask that the one of the last Saiyans left avenge whatever's left of him, you know, pretty much, which I think is kind of impactful. You should watch Star Wars Visions. <laughs> Man, I'm going to watch Star Wars Visions, bro. There's no question. A lot of these things you're liking, these plot points. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, because it's made by, of course, because Visions is made by every anime yeah. studio yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. So, like, of course. It just came out yesterday. I just haven't the chance. But tonight, maybe I'll, I'll binge out a few. Yeah. Um, uh, this actually reminded me. Um, not your, It's just kind of mind. Yeah. The... Last boss fight slash ending of Spider-Man PS4. Oh, with Doc Ock? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty sad, too. That one was... Yeah. Because Doc Ock before has just been portrayed as... Like like, some evil bastard or like some some crazy scientist or something. Yeah. But like with PS4 Spider-Man, like they had... They kind of went the the Raimi route. Kind of, but like... It was more, you had more time of him. There was a more connection there than the Raimi route, but it was the same personality kind of like they wanted to do good, but it got corrupted. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But like you had a lot more time to spend with normal Doc. Yeah. Well, also this, that the reason why he's doing it in the first place was was more motivating than the other time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, you could say, I mean, no, come on. (laughs) Because the whole gist is that, um, Doc Ock has a disease where it's a it's a uh, degenerative motor yeah it's a muscle de- thing yeah basically he's losing he's losing functionality in his limbs essentially yes that's the best way to put it right so originally in the game just to give a really quick synopsis mm-hmm. Peter at this time is around twenty four years old and he's interning or working with Doctor Octavius which yeah. is Doc Ock um, they're working on making limbs for people who are have lost them where yeah. they can mentally control the limbs so right? making prosthetics the right. prosthetics that's thank you and um, they're doing great work, you know? Yeah. But you see that um, Doc Ock's jealousy towards Norman Osborn. Because Norman comes in and shuts it down. And shuts it down, yeah. So he shuts down the project because they're not showing results enough, right? Yeah. At that time, right? So they're losing, they lost their grants. Peter lost his job. Doc Ock's career is in the in the, in the ruin, yeah. right? So you see that um, this anger and frustration builds inside yeah. of Dr. Octavius. And you see that he's slowly becoming like just enraged with Norman, right? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Osborne essentially. Right. right? And um, what happens is, is that you find out that he's having this degenerative disease, which is why he's kind of motivated to do this also probably because yeah. he's trying to save himself, you know, right. in the long run. Right. So they, he gets, he pulls in some favors, gets funding, builds the arms. Yeah. Pretty much. That's pretty much what happens. You know, just basically. keep it, keep it clear. You know, a little few more things happen before that, but just to keep it a consensus, yeah. it basically builds the arms. Now, the problem is, is that what Peter notices is that it's affecting his mind. So like the, the neural chip that's linked in is not, is not properly balanced chemically or function like, you know, engineered wise. Yeah. And it's messing with his mind. It's, it's messing, it's causing fluctuations in his brain that are not normal, yeah. you know, making him do be more ra- like irrational and, and, you know, 
ang- and being angry and like all those everything, all these negative emotions and all these negative thoughts and all these things are being like heightened essentially, yeah, right? right? So Peter's like, listen, like I understand you're frustrated and I understand like you know we're, we're so close, but like let's just be patient. We're so almost there, yeah, you know. But he just he doesn't, so he turns it back on and he just ends up becoming Doc Ock again, you know. I he is so he like because of our moment he listens to Peter. Yeah, for like a very split second, but then and he then, sees something on the TV. Yeah, and he just go he flips it back on you're like, Yeah. Fuck. You see something about Osborne getting like the key to the city or being because he's the mayor. Uh, uh, Norman Osborne is the mayor in this world at this yeah. point in time, right? Or is he being Yeah, he's mayor, right? He's mayor. Yeah, he's mayor. So he he sees something that they're praising Os- Osborne for something and he gets pissed off and he turns on Oh, isn't it because like Oscorp has their own prosthetics now? Sort of thing. Was it that? I don't remember. It's been so long. I remember when like they're shutting down the thing, the guy they were working with. Well, yeah, they have their own prosthetics line at Oscorp. Yeah. And the only reason why they were shutting it down in the first place is that so uh, Dr. Tavius would have no choice but to work for Oscorp yeah. if he so chooses to continue his work. Yeah. And it would have been a private thing if Oz, if Oz, um, that would have made Dr. Octavius famous if he did it on his own. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, it would just be attached to Oscorp again and he'd get no credit for yeah. it, you know? So. I, he got he got really upset. Turned the arms back on, and from there it was just a switch, and he turned back to Octavius, and uh, well, then, well, he turned it to Doc Ock, excuse me, and then it just went because then the whole gist is that he t- he takes his um virus that Oscorp created accidentally. Yeah, they were trying to make a cu- a cure for all disease, pretty much. Yeah, and, and like, in doing so, they made, they made a virus that, that kills everything. Yeah, you know, so he, much. he gets that, joins up with the Sinister Six, and like. Releases, releases it into yeah. the city. So you would think, oh, how could a nice person do that? Well, his premise is that he's still a nice person. He's just trying to ruin. He's trying to show everyone who Norman Osborn is and that he would find a cure afterwards, right? Yeah. But that's obviously not rational because he's killing people in the process. Well, because as you go through near the end of the game, like you see like, oh yeah, he uh, Octavius just has it after Osborn. He is gone. Yeah, like it's just like gung-ho. Like, and like you think maybe... Like Spider-Man and or Peter can try reaching him, like yeah, get him back, and then you're fighting him at the last boss fight, and it's like such a disappointment, Parker. Yeah, so you find out that like Doc Ock knew the whole time. So to give context, right, Doc Ock beat the ever living living shit out of Peter. Yeah, in in the Spider Man costume, like he they battled and he beat the living shit out of him, right? Yeah, and the virus has now spread to Peter's aunt, Aunt May. Everyone knows yeah. Aunt May, so Aunt May is sick now with the virus too, and they're they have a they have they're trying to get the cure essentially. I right? mean, basically the whole city's in chaos. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get the cure. There is a cure being made, right? Yeah. That's the, but they're trying to get like he's trying to stop Doc Ock in a time while the cure is being made at this time, right? So you find out that Doc Ock knew the whole time that Peter was Spider Man. So not only a that he beat the shit out of him knowing that, right? Peter finds twice. that out. Twice. Beat shit out him twice. Twice. Twice, actually, <laughs> to be fair. And then secondly, you find out that not only that he beat his ass, but also that his aunt is dying and his mentor and father figure is, at this time, is responsible and kind of knew, yeah. you know, that this could be a consequence, you yeah. know? And, like, it's just, and then, like, to top it all off, once they fight and they, and they, and Peter wins overall, right? Yeah. Of course, right? Uh, he's like, Doc Ock threatens to tell everyone who Peter is. Well, because um, and at the end of the fight, he damages Doc's arms, so he's basically immobile. Yeah, he's immobile because the, the, the degenerative disease is also, I think, being increased by the arms. I don't remember if that's being. Yeah. I don't remember if that was displayed. Either way, he was. He's basically losing his shit, and he's like, "I'm. I can't. If they put, if they find me like this and they put me away, I, I can't move. I'm gonna be." As a- you see, like Peter still has a piece of like 
like, well, like, like he, he cares wants, for them. He yeah. wants to help him, but it's like you can't. Once he says that line, is like Peter is just like you do what you got to do, Doc. That's well, all anyone he, can yeah, do. It's like you now see the true. Doc yeah, Doc. yeah, he sees Doc Ock for who he is. Yeah, and, so uh, oh, it's just a, such as um, Yuri Lowenthal, the voice actor for, uh, did a really good job. Yeah, he. Yeah. He was like, you had everything and you just threw it all away. Like, yeah. And he's like, I worshiped you. Yeah. Like you were my everything. You know, I dedicated my whole life to help you and you just fucked everything up. Like, yeah, yeah it was just, it was definitely emotional. You could tell that you could see the pain, you know, you could feel the pain. Yeah. And it was like definitely a good moment for sure. That was a great surprise for Spider-Man PS4. That was. Oh yeah. Mm. I think another one that just popped in my mind is Jiraiya's death in Naruto. You're going to have to give me some context. I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. So in Naruto, you, you, you see that there's this child who has a demon fox inside of him and everyone's afraid of him. Okay. Right. No, no one knows why at the time, whatever the case may be. Right. But he has no parents. He has nobody, no family, no friends, nothing. Everyone, every time you see people around him, they run away from him or scorn at him. Right. His whole life. Right. Fast forward. He, um, he becomes uh, a Genning, a ninja. He has a team. They start to have, you know, friends and family. You know, he starts to have friends and, like, people who care about him and things like that, right? And he meets this person named Jiraiya. Jiraiya Sensei is one of the uh, legendary Sanin, which is, like, a very strong ninja in the in the village, right? One of the three. And he also is a men- was the teacher of Naruto's dad, even though he doesn't know it at this time, right? right. So... What happens is that Naruto's never really had any family and he's never really lost anybody because he's never had any family, right? Yeah. So Jiraiya trains him and takes him in pretty much as like, you know, like Jiraiya considers him a grandchild pretty much, right? In that regard. Mm. So they they train together, like they train together and they stay together privately. So because people are after him, uh, Naruto at the end of the series because of his fox spirit and that's inside of him, Jiraiya takes him away from the village to train. For two, two, three, uh, two and a half years or something like that, right? So they spent every day together, all day together for years. Okay. Yeah. Um, what happens is is that pretty much that out of everybody, Jiraiya believed in Naruto the most. You know, almost. Right. You know, kind of, and like he he Naruto respected him out of everybody else like the most, pretty much. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is is that uh, he ends up going to fight the leader of the the people who are trying to kill Naruto, right? And he finds out that the leader of the person he's trying to kill is another student that Jiraiya had a, a long time ago. Oh. Right? So okay. so Jiraiya was given this prophecy that one of his students will be the savior of the world, right? Mm. Originally, he thought it was the one who was the leader of the evil people. Okay. Pain. I don't know if you heard of Pain before. Nope. So he originally, he thought he was the savior because he has special eyes called the Renegon that were were revered as the god of the god eyes of the shinobi world right pretty much they, had, they can they could do anything you know is that it, the the purple one with the swirls in them okay okay so yeah there that was said to be the eyes of the sage of six pass who is the god of all shinobi okay. essentially right so he was born with those eyes supposedly and that's what Jiraiya thought so he's like oh this is the savior right yeah. but he left and he found out he thought he heard through the grapevine that those kids that he raised including the one with the eyes died right so he had no idea he was alive yeah. okay so he goes to fight him they have this whole flashback where they learn and you see how good of a person Jirai is and how he believes in hope of the world. And that he basically taught Naruto that no matter what, like, I still believe, no matter how bad it gets, I still believe that the world can live in peace and be in harmony. Okay. Right? So what happens is that he fights him and he ends up dying at the hands of uh, pain, essentially. Okay. okay? Yeah. So Naruto finds out, right? 
And it's one of those sad moments for Jiraiya's death because when he's dying, right, he, has, he says, like, what have I done with my life? Like, all I did was, he's, he was kind of pervy, like, funny, like, you know, pervy that way. And he, right. wrote, he wrote, like, romance novels that Kakashi reads and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. So he was always a lighthearted person, very nice. Everybody loves Jiraiya, right? Mm. So everyone was really sad when he died, right? But the thing is about his, his journey was so interesting is that he was like, I have nothing to show for my life. Like, what did I even do? Like, I didn't help really anybody. I didn't save anybody, right? Yeah. And he used to write books and he was writing his one last book. And it was called, uh, I think, like the journey of Naruto or something, because he was writing that book when Naruto's dad was alive, and they took inspiration from that book that he was writing and named their child Naruto. Mm. That was the purpose of his yeah. name. Okay, so as he's dying and he's floating into the ocean into nothingness, he's like, "Wait a minute, there's still one thing that I did that's not over yet. The book's not closed." And he he remembers Naruto, and he's like, "This is this is my last good thing that I've ever done. You know, this is the one good thing I've ever done." Oh. And he, he dies in peace knowing that Naruto will continue. And the, the, the saddest part ever is that Naruto, when he dies, Naruto's traveling back to the village. And you just, he, you see Jiraiya's ghost touch his shoulder. Oof. And Naruto's like, like he looks back, but yeah. nobody's there. You Oof. know what I mean? Oof. Yeah, it's super powerful, dude. And then he goes back to the village and you find out that he died. And he's like, to the, to the leader of his village, he's like, did you let him go? Like, were you the one who let him go? You know? Because mm-hmm. originally Jiraiya was supposed to be Hokage. But he said, ah, it's not for me. So he asked one of the other Sonic to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So Naruto was like, if, if Jiraiya was the Hokage, he would have never let you go alone. You know, like, if it was him if it was him and it was you, rever- if roles were reversed, you know, no. he would have never let you, done, like, done it at all, you know? And you just see him, like, mo- like, he just leaves and he's, like, depressed as hell. But he never cries or anything, right? Mm-hmm. He never, like, does anything. He's just walking around all, like, mopey and all yeah. that stuff. But they had this little gimmick where, like, when they were together, Jiraiya would buy popsicles, and he would split the popsicle and give one to Naruto, right? Oh. So what you see is that he bought two popsicles, and they're together, and he doesn't have anyone to split them with, so Aww. he just starts crying. And it's just, like, the saddest thing ever. And, like, one of his other mentors comes to, that's, like, a brother to him that comes to him. Mm. He's like, are you all right? Like, you know, like, you know, it was good. And he's like, dude, and he's like, he was supposed to watch me grow up. He was supposed to watch me become the Hokage. You know, he was supposed to do all these things, you know, like be there, you know, like through all these things. And now he's just gone. And it's like interesting because when he was fighting Sasuke, because Sasuke left the village, right? Because Sasuke told him that you don't know what it's like to lose everything because you never had anything to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a concept, you know, like Sasuke had everything and lost it. And Naruto never had anything to begin with. You don't know what you you don't know what you have if if you never had it. Right. Yeah. So this was like a perspective change because he got new perspective for Sasuke because now he's lost something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lost something so precious to him. So now he kind of has a deeper understanding of what what the other character is going through. Those scenes are super sad, dude. You know, you have to like really. Yeah. But it's like. I feel. But yeah, it's definitely one of those moments for sure. Anime has a lot of sense. Yeah, dude, they really want to t- like tear at your heartstrings and like, <laughs> really, t- really do stuff like that. It's really interesting. Hang on. How long have we been going for? Yeah, I just wanted to check that because last time I looked when we were, I was having my little dance party. <laughs> it was like sixty minutes. Yeah, I was gonna have to go down. Uh, one seventeen. Okay, so it's not too bad. Not too bad. You want to end it soon though. Yeah, we will. We can't drag on like all these, like, you know, forever. Yeah, I <laughs> so. know. I feel like we were, we didn't even get through the whole list and <laughs> we were just kind of side going on stuff. Side going on stuff, yeah. So, how far do you want to go? I mean, I honestly didn't want to talk about, um, like, uh, <laughs> the notebook and stuff because I don't really care. <laughs> I've never even seen it, so I don't care. 
We don't have to talk about Orange. Do you want to talk about the Snyder's list or no, Schindler's list? No, or? I think everyone knows. Um, was there anything else? Um, Do you want to end it there? You put Tokyo Ghoul. Oh, I did put Tokyo Ghoul. We could talk about that if you so choose, but we don't have to. Is it in general sad? It's pretty, what? yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, you can give it to it. All right. One last, all right. <laughs> yeah, one last thing I want to talk about. Um, is a series called Tokyo Ghoul. Yes, the Edgelord. <laughs> yeah, so Tokyo Ghoul is just an extreme, extreme tragedy. Okay. So to give you context, there's it takes place in this world where there's humans and then there's humans, a subspecies of humans called ghouls. So ghouls can only eat human meat. They can't eat anything else. It's not necessarily that they don't want to. Mm. It's that they can't. They'll puke it. They can't. They can't. Like it does. Their system does not support it. Yeah. At all. Okay. So they only can eat human flesh and coffee. That's literally pretty much all it is. <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Coffee for some reason works for them. <laughs> yeah. Swear to God. So there's this character named Kaneki Ken, who is kind of nerdy and geeky, right? And he has this date with this girl named Rize that he sees, right? Right. right. So they go on this date. Everything is fine and dandy. Right until the end, when she he finds out that she's a ghoul, she's been tricking him this whole time and wants to eat him. Oh, okay. So he's like, he's freaking out. He she gashed his side and he's like bleeding out and like just dying. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that for some reason, a they're like in this construction area because that's where he ran to. I'm assuming right. And a you know like those cylinder those cement cylinders are yeah. huge. A bunch of them fall on her and kill her. Oh, you don't know why. So the, the, the medics come, everyone finds him, right? And what they do is that they transplant one of her organs into him. Oh, so he becomes... He becomes half human, half ghoul. Oh. So he only... Ha- so for to tell a ghoul apart, when they tra- when they activate their ghoul abilities, because they have like these things called... Uh, oh, God, what a uh, quinque or something? Where they have like... They're different depending on the personality. Essentially, it's like an extension of your body that you can release. And that's like their power. Okay. Right. right. And what happens is their eyes go... The irises go black and their pupils go red. That's pretty much how you can tell they're in ghoul form. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So for him, he only has one eye that can go red and black. Mm -hmm. And the other eye stays the same. So that's pretty much like how you can tell he's half, essentially. And half ghouls are known to be very rare and also stronger for some reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... What happens is, is that he's just tested because he can't eat regular food anymore. He pukes it. Mm. And um, he's like struggling because he's a ghoul now and he's craving human meat. And he's like, what is happening to me? Oh, man. You know, because he's like, I'm a human being. I don't want to do this stuff. And he has to like slowly start to come to terms with the fact that he is no longer just what he used to be. Yeah. You know, and he kind of starts to become like this bridge between the two okay okay but the thing is like he starts working at this coffee shop where he met Rize in the first place because it turns out the coffee shop people are all ghouls that don't eat humans yeah they just well they do they eat like they eat like morgue flesh they don't eat like actual or blood they don't really like uh eat life they don't kill people essentially that's the point right right, right? right. so they just have a coffee shop where they drink coffee and they just chill pretty much yeah um so he learns to, to hang out with them and do things right so because he's a rarity people are after him you know, right. because he's like rare and they don't, they don't know why he ticks and they're interested in the ghouls. Right. And most of the ghouls are kind of, you know, yeah. so they want to go after him and he gets, uh, he gets caught by this person named Jason. Right. Jason. Yeah. yeah. Jason. And he tortures the shit out of him. 
Oof. like torture them and the thing about ghouls is that they regenerate and stuff yeah. like that so they they can be tortured right but you can tell he was tortured so badly because the stress of of the torture turned his nails fully black and his hair pure white oh that's why he's like that. yeah so okay. he's like that because he was tortured the thing is that that you don't know about per- uh, Kaneki is that he has multiple personality disorder okay that's not necessarily <laughs> so it's not it's what happens is that every time every time something doesn't work for him or he ends up in a situation that's poor is that he creates a new personality, not only to cope with that situation, but to help him. Okay. So it's not so much that he has a bunch of them in his head all at all times is that he creates something new for himself. Every time he finds himself in a new situation, essentially. Okay. Okay. So he has a very tragic life because you find out he was abused by his mother mm. as a child, um, that he's, he's been tortured multiple times. He has this really dark, history and like these mental blocks that have prevented him from doing things and he finds that he just wants to save his the people he cares about right yeah and he'll do it at any cost even losing them you know so when he becomes and it's interesting to see in his tragedies his tragic story is that you just see every time he starts to get a little happy just shit just fucks him Uh, you know and like he changes like his personality changes so much between each tragedy because he changed like his he just he becomes a different person. Right. There's different names for like different versions of himself, you yeah. know. So like, there's even one point where his um, his only human friend, right? He kind of kept his distance from because he was a ghoul, right? Right. So there's a part at the end where he's bleeding out because he had fought with this other guy, and he he beat him too, but he's like really deadly injured, right? Yeah. And he's in a sewer, and he's like. Oh God, like I'm like, I'm dying out. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm struggling, you know, to survive. And he sees his friend in the sewer and he doesn't even know if it's real or not. And his friend's like, eat me. Oh, she's like, I know what you are. I know what's going on. It's like, you, it's okay. It's like, it's okay. I want to, I want to save you. Like, it's like, cause he's been trying so hard to save everybody else. It's like, finally someone's trying to save him, you know, which yeah. is like so interesting. And he doesn't even know if it's real. Yeah. You know, at the end, you know, or we don't know as a reader, we don't know if this is just a figment of his imagination or if it's, if it's real or is not. Is that how it ends? So it gets there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you don't see what happens, but you see him crawl, like walking in a sewer and you see the, the, the so there's like, the note, there's a, there's a, like a police, just to give some context, there's a police type system that fights ghouls. Right. Okay. They're called the CCG. Okay. Right. And they have this person named Akira, who is the god of them, like he fights them no matter what, he is the beast. He's like, right. no one could beat him. They're all, all ghouls are afraid of him, doesn't matter what level they are. Gotcha. All ghouls are afraid of him, right? Yeah. So Kaneki sees him, right? Yeah. And it looks like a flower field that's around him. But I believe if I'm remembering correctly, don't quote me on this part, but I believe it's, it's all dead bodies oh. of ghouls that he's killed. But it seems like a flower metal because he's like, oh, this is God. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So you you don't know what happens except that he, the guy stabs Kaneki in both of his eyes and beats him and kills him. And that's how the, that's how the series ends until the continuation takes place. Oh yeah. So it's like one of those things that's super vague and it's like super tragic and you just never know what's going to happen with the series. And it's like, it's, it's so cool. Cause like the, the mangaka foreshadows things with like tarot cards in the manga panels. Oh, uh, okay. So, and he does like even foreshadowing in his calendars. Like you have to pay attention to almost everything, Damn, right. you know, for things to occur. There's so much symbolism. Like there's a thing with Kaneki is that he's a centipede cause he's just a bug. Right. Okay. So even his quinque formulates into a centipede cause that's how he feels. Yeah. So like his emotions transform him into what he is. And it's always like the symbolic thing where you see his dead body and you just see a, a, a like crawling uh, okay. around him. You know, there's always like this, this, all this symbolism and all these things. Okay. Basically, um, to give some, just to give you context for you is that you find out that he didn't die, but he lost his memories. 
Okay. Supposedly. He lost his memories. And now he's part of the CCG. Oh, okay. And he's under a different name called Sasaki Haize. And that's who he is now. Like another personality of his, you know? So it's just interesting how you see him slowly, like, you know, having to find himself and fall and changing over time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I like I had to pull this up at least once, right? <laughs> that song is so good, man. That's from Tokyo Ghoul. If anyone doesn't know, it's yeah. it's Unravel. Um, um, I know we're running on time, but I just one more. Sure, I, sure, I just sure. Reminded now. Sure. So, there's a series called Black Butler. Yeah, I know about I know Black Butler. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. So the story is it's like kind of Victorian England, um, and there's a family called the Phantom Hives, right? Okay, and. They have a son named Ciel, who is like a child. He's a child, like 12 years old. Okay. And the mansion gets raided. The mother and father get killed. Okay. And he gets kidnapped by this cult and is like sent around as like a slave and stuff. And sure. then eventually this cult uses him as a sacrifice to try and get a demon. To like get wishes and stuff. Sounds about right. Okay. And it works. They actually manage to summon a demon. And like the, but the thing is that the cultist didn't summon the demon. It was him. CL. Oh, summoned it. Yeah. Like what? In desperation for his life or something. Yeah. Okay. And he makes a pact with the demon to go and try and get revenge on who killed his family. And so his this demon who gets given a name Sebastian becomes his butler. Okay, and so that's who the that's who the butler is. Yeah. Okay. And the whole thing is um because the Phantom Hive family were kind of like the black ops of the Queen of England. Sure. Like, okay. They handled the dirty underground yeah, yeah. things. So he takes up the mantle and like he's like again, he's a child, but like he has to he's like forced grown up. And he's got like the demon at his side obeying his orders. But what's in it for the demon? So after his revenge is complete, the demon gets his soul. Okay. Yeah. So what, I mean, the whole thing is that he goes through some shit. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure. Like there's a lot of shit. Like he's got no family left. And like the only family he does have betrays him later and then gets killed. Yeah. And it's like, there's a whole thing. You know, like he's trying to find the people who got revenge and all, there's all these conspiracies and stuff happening. Yeah. And you kind of like, sometimes you forget because like CL and Sebastian are like the duo, like they team up and like they have plans and they just finagle their way for everything. Yeah. And you sometimes forget that Sebastian does not give a shit at all he's like i'm just making sure you're alive by the end oh okay so he's not like a helping guide he's just there he's only maintaining the aesthetic of a butler when needed okay because there's a one point where they're in germany and like they've infiltrated this camp where they're doing experiments on like chemicals sure and they're basically making the prototype of like mustard gas and saline sure and he gets hit with it seal gets hit with it okay and that traumatizes him and he like gets into a panic now and like 
gets into hiding and won't come out. And Sebastian comes over to the bed and it's like, listen, we need the foreign plan to get this thing. It's like, I don't want to come out. No, no, no. It's like, so you're giving up on your revenge then. He's like, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't want to come out at all. And it's like, well, that's a violation of the pact. So I'm going to take my prize now. And like, he just drags him out of bed and is like about to eat him sort of thing. And that snaps him out of it. And it's like, Sebastian, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Like, I didn't give you the order to eat me, did I? Yeah. And he just resumes his role. And it's like, no, no, I was like 90% serious. I was like, <laughs> I was like 90%. I mean. That's pretty high. <laughs> like, like <laughs> he's coy about it. Like, yeah. And like normal CL is like, he's very aware. He's like, I, I know what you are. You're a fucking demon. I well, know I know, I know Sebastian's uh, character design. So he seems like kind of sli- sleek and like, yeah. slippery, you know, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And like. I know that you don't really care. I know I'm using you, using me. That's how this works. But it's like, you you almost fucking just went for it, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the tragedy comes from like, like Ciel is like ruthless. Like he, for a child, he is like borderline sociopath of like, yeah. I don't care. I will manipulate you however I please to get why. Kind of like light almost, right? Um, Because light would do the same thing. He would manipulate people no matter what. Kind of, except he's not as like arrogant as Light. Okay. Like CL is like, listen, I'm I'm doing my job as the watchdog of the Queen. Like I'm getting rid of this, and you are a problem, and that's it. And like sometimes he's merciful. Like sometimes you didn't deserve it, but like, <laughs> yeah, you gotta do it anyway. You gotta do it anyway. Um, but there's, there's some moments where like usually when he's by himself, like the facade cracks and like, he's, he's just a kid. Like, yeah, that thing catches up with him and stuff. And you really get this. Like you finally kind of like realize he is absolutely alone. There is no one he can really go to because he doesn't trust anybody. And the only companion he has wants to eat him. Yeah. (laughs) He's just waiting for it. He's just waiting for it. And I mean, it's just a big tragedy. So Sebastian doesn't really help him in the fights either. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. Okay. Cause he, he obeys any order he's given. Okay, he obeys. So it's like Sebastian killed him. It's like, all right, yes, master. Like, okay. Um, it's just like, and any like he would protect CL. He would do all of the things and like care for him and stuff. But like, but he doesn't really care. It's all an aesthetic. Yeah, it's all part of the contract essentially. Yeah, like he's just doing it to maintain the being a good butler because it's fun for him. Okay, but like the real motivation is like I just want the soul. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the series is still going in this revelation. It's still going? Yeah. What? It's, there's, uh, there was a big twist revealed that recon- recontextualizes a lot. Okay. But it makes sense that they were just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And, like, you find out one of the big player villains in this, and you're like, oh, okay. And, like, oh, surprise, they're a Grim Reaper. <laughs> like, okay. Get ready. Like, so it's, it's you, essentially. Nah, I'm not crazy. Like, not as weird as that one, but like, um, that's Bill. We don't like Bill. <laughs> Undertaker. <laughs> that was a, that was a cool ass reveal because he's introduced literally second episode. Oh, really? And you, because he's just like the kooky, like, oh, I'm the Undertaker. I yeah, like I got information for corpses if you need them, and like he just happens just to be everywhere, and you're like, why, why are you why, here? Undertaker? Why are you here? Yeah. And it's like, no, I was actually doing experiments because I don't, I'm tired of, I want to see if there's something after living and like okay, going past the due date and we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And it's like, you're creating zombies now. Like, you okay. need to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it is, 
it's a very good series, surprisingly, for being like borderline yaoi bait. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, poor CL. He especially with the anime, you get the soundtrack. Yeah, it's you like get this, like all the emotion and everything. Yeah, the, I, I mean, even going. even some of the other characters, like because in one arc he goes with the circus to like because he's like children are disappearing from the yeah. circus and he's trying to infiltrate it. So he pretends to like be a joining act of Sebastian. And he actually becomes friends with one of them who like is a girl and who's actually kind of liking him sort of thing. But by the end, they've murdered everybody involved. And like the mansion in the back is burning down and she's dead. No, she comes back because she she wasn't there. She wasn't there. And like CL has been traumatized because there was something in the basement that like really triggered him from earlier times. And he's in Sebastian's arms and the girl realizes what he's done. And it's like, I'm going to kill you sort of thing. And he's like, Sebastian. And it just cuts. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, you're like, oh, fuck, man. Yeah, oh, no way. <laughs> that is pretty heavy. Yeah. That's crazy. Man. And he kind of loses it because like there was this whole thing of like the circus belief that the manager was like helping children like them in this orphanage. And you... They go to the orphanage, check it out, and it's abandoned. It's been abandoned for years. There was no children going there. And he, CL just starts laughing hysterically. And it's like, we're no better than demons. We are the worst. And how funny is that? I I, I am a human, Sebastian. I'm a human. And Sebastian's like, or the one one of the few times he's like, I show like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, like, you can see, like, Sebastian's like, all right, all right, maybe you have potential. Yeah, and it's like, Yes, you are, and that's what makes you so great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Black Butler is a good series. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in you sold it on me because I've always been kind of like, oh, this looks interesting. But the anime, you have to like finagle with episodes, like oh, filler, because there was like the the situation we talk about where it's like they made up oh. the second half of season one and then the whole season two. Oh. But then like there's another adaptation. Actually, I'll just read. I'll just read the manga. Re- yeah, the manga is great. I'll just read the manga. Yeah. When in doubt, read the manga. When in doubt. And watch Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> no, keep playing it. Keep playing it. We're going out. We're going out with a bang. No, no, no. It's like, we like, already played it twice. <laughs> all, right, play. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway. All right. Um, thank you again, always, for listening to another episode of the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. I'm sorry if we broke your hearts here today. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all part of the course. It's all part of the course here. But we do recommend suggesting the series that we've given to you. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm Jake. I'm Mike. Peace. Oh, that took longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get a clean drop there. Oh my God. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.